literally, it's actually Gabriel's hotel and spa. Mm. Welcome to it. Mm-hmm. Over here, we have your Orbeez bath. Mm-hmm. Fantastic if you need protection from temporal anomalies. Right. And over here, we have the sap bath. Mm-hmm. Great if you've been stabbed, shot, or wounded. Yeah. And then over here, we have the arts and crafts station. Yeah, if you're interested in, like, doodling a Fibonacci spiral. Hello, and welcome to Are the Hunter podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Appertania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And what did we say our fun fact was? Oh, our fun fact is what our old uh, limb would draw. Stupid. <laughs> Mine would I have a stupid answer for this. Well, it's a stupid question, Yeah, so. ask a stupid question, get a stupid answer. It would be, remember those S's that everyone was obsessed with drawing yes. in middle school? Yes. That's what my hand would draw. You're welcome. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at The 100 Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And if my limb from the future Yay! was to write anything or draw anything, I didn't actually put thought into this. Oh, cool. I'm so glad Oh, it would probably just be like Harry Potter glasses and a scar. Okay. Those, that's like my go-to doodle. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Today we have words to say about episode 606 of the 100, Memento Mori, which in Latin means, remember that you will die. Cool. I like being reminded of my own mortality. <laughs> Said no one ever. Yeah. Cool. All right, Robin, toot or boot? Uh, I will I will toot this episode. Yeah. Ultimately, I will toot this episode. Yeah. Um, last week's episode was freaking... By last week, I mean last episode because mm-hmm. there was a hiatus, but um, last episode was so, so, so fantastic. I knew for a fact this one wasn't going to live up to it because last time like last episode was fan freaking tastic yeah. but ultimately it was still a toot for sure yeah um structurally this episode was kind of messy yeah but the storylines that we did get and the mythology world building we got were so good that i'm it's definitely on the toot side of the spectrum yeah hey Brittany. hey robin do you want to hear some thoughts from listeners uh yeah Okay, so we have some thoughts from listeners. Here's from Subatomic Fox on SoundCloud. They probably went through more people in the early days of body snatching, you know, when you're going upstairs and the step is a little off and it just messes you up. That's got to be the first few iterations of the crimes <laughs> and new bodies. Everything's off kilter, arms and legs a different length than you're used to, etc. I bet a bunch of them fell downstairs. Also, Eclipse murders. So, uh, as yep. why, why there have been so many iterations of people in 200 years. Also, like, if literally any, if I go to the dentist and anything changes in my mouth, mouth like teeth wise mm-hmm. i'm messed up for like a week okay you know like my whole brain is like off so okay. like the fact that you get put into a completely different body and your everything feels weird your freaking head is a different weight yeah oh my, i didn't even think about that if your hair's in your face and you have a different haircut i mean mm-hmm. obviously you can cut that but like i don't know it's just whoa to- like totally different experience completely different like be like even like a different like heart rate or something you'd be Mm -hmm. like well this doesn't feel right yeah everything i would have panic attack after panic attack um also they pointed out in anastasia Mm -hmm. rasputin had a reliquary of his remains and that was the reason he was able to be brought back from the dead whoa so the use of the word reliquary what's good that's fantastic Mm -hmm. um at lisa powell 92 she had a few thoughts nice um i think dioza actually doesn't know how many people are nightbloods and that's why she isn't telling xavier she tells Octavia she's gonna tell him, but she's bluffing. That's why she gets so desperately like, for God's sake, just tell him. That makes perfect sense. Duh. Yeah. 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 That's like a big, oh, yeah, duh. Mm. 
Um, also, a fun fact uh, from Lisa Powell 92, Isaac was also offered as a sacrifice in the Bible. He was saved at the last minute, but still, that's got to be a very intentional parallel. See, this is why this is why we need thoughts from listeners, mm-hmm. because we don't know any of these things, and you guys are freaking geniuses. Thank you. Uh, why would Abby be able to figure out Clark is not Clark faster than Bellamy when Bellamy actually knows a way this could have happened and Abby has no clue? That's bull. It doesn't make her a bad parent. Oh, yeah. This, like, uh, caused... For some reason, this tweet caused a lot of debate. Um, some respectful, some not. Um, but at the end of the day, like, they're fictional characters, you know? And um, not everyone is going to act the way you expect them to. If, if like, my whole thing is... If I suddenly started writing with my other hand, my mom would think that, like, something was, like, medically wrong with me, not that I was in a different body. Yeah. Um, but she would also be like, hey, stop being weird. Mm-hmm. And that would be the end of it, yeah. you know? It would just be like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, be weird if you want to be weird. Like, you're an odd kid. Yeah. So, I don't know. The, I feel really bad for the amount of, like, stuff that happened because of, like, our Abby discussion, but at the same time, our, our listeners in particular are so respectful and so amazing, so, like, this like, debate and discussion, especially on our end, was really fun and informative, and I think we all agree that certain characters definitely get more hate than others, and we are just gonna be here to lift those characters up. Um, if I started writing with my left hand instead of my right hand, my dad would be like, you're like me now! Yeah, you'd, like, assume you're like, oh, are you ambidextrous now? Oh my gosh, my dad would be like, yay, another lefty! Another one from Lisa, regarding the mind drives. I think you guys started on the right track with the what if something bad happened. Rather than just being for extra storage in general, I think it's supposed to be like a black box on a crashed airplane. Something that records everything that went wrong so mistakes can be avoided in the future. So if Russell has killed everyone and then himself, if someone later retrieved the mind drives, they would know about the dangers of the eclipse. (gasps) Oh, we did start on the right track and then not get to uh, that logical conclusion. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. I love the reference of a black box. Mm -hmm. Um, At King's Token, some support for your Xavier is Gabriel theory. Yes! Did you notice that all the primes have at least one streak of gray hair, including Delilah after she changed into Priya? Y'all, when I say that this tweet blew my mind. (laughs) I went back and I checked. It looks like something's going on with Priya's hair. Yep. Miranda, for sure, oh, fully, has very something noticeable. going on. Russell is already, like, salt, has and salt and pepper, so you can't really tell. But I did go back, and I can't really... Unless it's, like, not specifically, like, in the front, like everyone else mm-hmm. seems to be. I couldn't see one on Simone. Maybe yeah. I wasn't Maybe I wasn't looking at the right scenes, but I looked at two different scenes, and I did... And also, once again, maybe I wasn't... I was kind of just going really quickly through it, but I didn't see one on Riker, on Riker either. So, um... But I still think that that is a pattern that we can uh, go with. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, at exolovelyoni underscore SS. Not important to the plot at all, but I think the Orbeez turn into glass and not ice. It's supposed to be a type of quicksand, and sand with time and heat, uh, like the temporal flare and burned trees, turns into glass. I love that. Yeah. Especially because we learn in this episode that the trees fossilize, so that's yeah. a very natural conclusion. Yeah. At doll 101 So this is in the context of whether or not Isaac was a prime. And at ShannyDoll101 was saying that since Russell and Simone didn't know about him being, like, offered in the Offering Grove mm-hmm. or whatever, which is the thing that we see this episode, question mark? Yes, that, that that's is the, the Offering, offering Grove. Grove. If he was a prime, they would have known he died and would have gotten his chip, and Josie didn't want them to know what she did, so she spoke in Mandarin. Good point. Right. Yep. Um, cool. So we still have one unnamed prime! I literally, like, I like to keep my expectations real low for every single thing. Yeah. Um, even if I, like, I'm, 
I actually, like, I love this season so much, and so, like, my expectations are kind of high, but I still like to, I, as far as I can, I, like, try keep to them keep low. them low, mm-hmm. because you never know. Um, and the only thing that I wanted from this new episode was to learn what the name of the last Prime was that we didn't know the name of, and I was disappointed! So I'm still waiting for it. If we go the whole season without learning that one last Prime's name, I'm gonna be so freaking mad. That's gonna be, like, the thing that haunts you. We were just talking about it yesterday, um, that, like, of all the things that we need to be experts on, Brittany is an expert on, like, the time stuff that's going on. The sci-fi of it all. The sci-fi, and I am keeping track of the primes. <laughs> she is! <laughs> so, um, by the way, last episode I said that I was going to, like, make a graphic of, like, all of the different primes, like, with the actual picture that we were given, um, and I did do that, so if you missed it, you should check it out. It's on our Twitter, at The Aficionados. And it's, it. uh, really good, and this episode basically confirmed... All of your guesses. I was so happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, moving on, we also have something from our friend Isra, who is at Isra Glass. I wonder if they needed the information Josephine had in her memories. Her understanding, her education, their stuff you can't get from books and without teachers and education. Building this society would be difficult. Losing every teacher of mathematics, science, astronomy, psychology, writing, history. Eleven people dying is a tragedy, and on top of that, all of that information is even more horrific. In spite of all that, destroying more lives in pursuit of bringing back that history is questionable to say the least i didn't even think of that yeah hard agree but yep um ooh, let's talk about lost oh my god i'm shocked that you want to talk about lost and guess what i didn't even bring it up oh okay our friend drew did oh my god here we go okay he dm'd us this at the at the drew koenig and it's koenig not koenig come at me mm-hmm. i know him he's my friend yeah he's her friend so stop it so Basically, he damned us. Actually, he's our friend. Yeah, he's he's both of our friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is unnecessary. Okay. So, I've had this comparison regarding Josephine slash Clark that I haven't been able to shake, but I'm certain Robin will appreciate. And I did. (laughs) During Lost Season 5, we're making this non-spoiler just in case. In case you haven't seen it. In case you haven't seen it. Because it turns out a lot of people haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, First of all, get on it, though, because it's available. And Robin will basically bully you until you do it so um i don't know about that but if you do start i will be your best friend it's true i literally will anybody who's like i'm watching lost i'm like oh hello hello Follow we notifications. are literally during lost season five a character died and we said to ourselves it's fine because that character isn't really dead mm. and then by the time we realized that they were for real dead we had forgotten to mourn them i'm not saying this is going to turn out like that but it does feel familiar it had you thinking it was all fine because you thought you you thought you understood what the rules were. That character couldn't really die because we already know that they are coming back. Clark can't really die because that's not how you do this and you don't kill off your bisexual lead, at least not in that way. That comparison and the amount that the hundred so badly want to be lost is making me nervous. So continuing on that, like just for a little bit more context, non-spoilery, as non-spoilery as I can be, there's this character who basically we thought had died but had come back to life, basically. Mm-hmm. And so when we were getting the flashbacks of when that character died, it was like, it's fine because they're not really dead. Yeah, because you don't we, need to take it seriously. Because we had already seen that they had come back to life. So, by the time that we realized that this person had been body snatched, basically, which is exactly what's happening here, um, and that that person was actually dead, we didn't have, like Drew said, we didn't have, we had forgotten to mourn them. We didn't, we didn't get the time to actually 
think about what the stakes were about that because we didn't think that there were any. Yeah. So obviously we're like, this isn't how they're going to kill off Clark, uh, especially with the trailer for next episode slash the last like 15 seconds of this episode. Um, Obviously Clark is still in there somewhere. It's unclear whether or not she's still going to die or not, but it's she's still around right now. But She's she's in the brain. But with the amount of stuff that is inspired by Lost, especially this season, it is a little bit worrying. Yes. That they will do this other thing that is pretty iconic. I don't, I personally don't think that's the case. I hope not. Um, just because Eliza is the show. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's an ensemble where they can go on without having Clark present. Clark has to be present, otherwise the show doesn't work. We also have a few thoughts from our friend Lucia. Hi Lucia. Like you do, at Lucia Roseanne. I can't stop thinking about how the gang watching the birth of Josephine 2 is viscerally similar to what it was like to watch their people getting drilled in Mount Weather from the screen in the control room. This is what truly made Bellamy suspicious. It's why he asked, you're okay with this? So confused. Because the last time Clark saw something like this, she burned the place to the ground and he helped her do it. She hated herself for it, but she still did it. Matt Weather was so formative to both of them, and I refuse to believe that Bellamy doesn't see the parallels. When he asks later, how are we on different sides on this? When Clark accuses him of judging the Sanctumites, but not themselves, he's trying to figure out how the woman he knows can be so flippant about something so close to home. Bellamy uses Trig to catch Clark out, but he already knew, because Clark would never forget Matt Weather. Clark would never forget what made her one head up. That's friggin' brilliant. Yeah. I like that because we we didn't approach it from, like, that perspective, mm-hmm. but of course Bellamy would attach this both emotionally because it's Clark, but also, like, they've lived through this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. The favorite Bellamy line was way too on the nose, but I think it gives us a valuable insight into Jordan's character. Jordan has spent his whole life cocooned by his parents in space. The closest he's got to the blood, guts, and gore of Sky Crew's life and death decisions are his parents' stories. As any war vet can attest, hearing about it and living it are two entirely different things. Hart Bellamy appeals more to Jordan because he doesn't have the experience or maturity yet to fully grasp the journey and power it took for Bellamy to get where he is now. It requires a level of emotional empathy that Jordan has had no reason to reach for before. Bellamy's far more story than man to him right now, and why would you look for complexity and depth in someone you still think of as a hero in an adventure story? People want to meet their heroes at what they perceive as the top of their game, not when they've settled down and retired. And not to throw shade, but I think a few of the viewers could stand to think about that as well. Oh, you know what? It's is it sh- is it shade? You know what? It's not shade. It's just a read. Mm. You know, because yeah. it's not an insult. It's just the truth. Mm. It might hurt, but it's the truth. Can I give you an anecdote about my life that might not even be relevant, but I would love to? Sure. So when I was in theater school, we had to do this thing called a solo flight, mm-hmm. and basically what it was was that everybody had to write a about ten minute long piece. It had to have at least three characters in it. And you had to play all three characters. Okay. That Um, sounds stressful. It was fun, though. And so you have to do, um, like, transitions in between the characters, and each of the characters have to have a different body, Mm -hmm. and they have to have a different voice so that it's very, very clear which character is speaking because they're all you. Oh, you have to distinguish between them. Right. Okay. And a lot of my classmates did stuff that was very, like, dark. Like, there was, like, suicide, and there was, like, even, like, rape and, like... like, Mm -hmm an alcoholism like it was like dark stuff and I think there was like maybe five out of the 13 of us that like went really like just we're having a good time with it like comedy exactly and so mine was about this girl whose name was Winnie Mm -hmm. and she was babysitting her little brother and basically what happened was her brother like I think 
lost the key to their mother's um, music box. Mm -hmm. And it was like her prized possession, right? And she's like, she's literally not here. We have to find it. You ruin everything. You're the worst. I hate you. Um, And she had this book character who was her favorite book. It was her favorite book, favorite character in the book. And he's like this larger than life knight medieval um you know hero guy think like james marston's character from enchanted but like oh yeah and that's like kind of what you think of him as yeah and basically what happened in the piece was that he comes out of the book because she like wishes for him to come and like you know if he was here everything would be okay and nothing would be bad anymore so he comes out of the book basically and he is like here and she's like oh my gosh like you're gonna help me this is the best Um, And of course, she's thinking of him like high up on this pedestal and he's like the most important person and he can help them and and fix everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically what happens is like with jokes interspersed, like, you know, he he calls her by her full name the whole time, even though she tells him not to, which is already a microaggression. Yeah. And he um, doesn't like and he lies to her about what kind of food he eats because he's like, yes, I'll eat the hearts of my enemies or whatever. And she's like, Sure, I have bologna. Yeah, yeah, so spaghetti. Whatever. (laughs) And basically what happens is once she starts talking about her brother like this menace and like this garbage person, even though he's like literally eight or whatever, her brother comes into the room and the guy takes her brother hostage and doesn't listen to her and is like kind of just a complete jerk. And and then at some point when she starts being like, please let my brother go, he's like, so you're against me. Oh my god! And so he, like, puts her in the, like, inside the closet and, like, closes the door and locks the door, too. And so now she's like, not only is everything bad, but also I'm locked in this closet by a fictional character who I thought was the best person in the entire world and now turns out actually sucks. Oh, it's expectations versus reality. Yeah. As a side note, his only confidant in this story, like, the, the, the like, guy, the, the hero. Yeah. His only confidant in the story is their fat basset hound, whose name was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> um, except, like, she always called him Rocky, but, of course, he's, like, all about... The, f- the full the name. The full name. So he's like, oh, thank you, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And, of course, it's me. I'm just playing off yeah, all of these characters. Be, I want to see this. It's literally just me. And so I'm like, oh, yes, thank you. I, I remember, actually, my favorite line in it. This okay. is not, this is kind of relevant. No, it's honest. relevant. I, I can build off this later. Great. Trust me. My favorite line that I ever said is he has, and he did this thing where he would always have his hands on his hips, which mm-hmm. of course helped because they all have to have different body types. Yeah. So you know which one to switch. If your hands are on your hips, that's how you know that. Yeah. That's power character. Yes. He said, um, he would, he pushed the dog in front of the door. So he didn't lock the closet door because the door didn't have a lock on it. He just put the really fat dog in front of it so that they couldn't get out. <laughs> And he said, thank you, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I will take your heavy breathing as a sign of respect. I'll take your heavy breathing as a sign of respect. So, I mean, at some point she, like, tricked him and then was able to get out and, like, trap him back in the book or whatever. But that was my sh- I, that was my piece that I wrote. That's really cute. Where, okay, so that actually is pretty relevant. Yeah. Because in a lot of ways, Jordan is the protagonist mm-hmm. there. She, and Bellamy is, like... It's that thing from Community where you can't disappoint a picture, you know? Like, like Troy never wanted to meet LeVar Burton because you can't disappoint a picture. And so, 
like Jordan's like, wow, I kind of wish I just left you in cryo Mm -hmm. because you've disappointed me. And it's like, well, if if you project your idea of someone based off of a retelling onto them, they're going to disappoint you because you've done that to yourself. You haven't thought of them as a complex being. You've thought of them as like this person you've built up in your head. It's it's idolization at its finest, Mm -hmm. right? So that's what Jordan has done to all of these characters. And then he believes that he is capable of passing judgment on them, which is very much like the audience and, you know, all of these characters as well, because we pass judgment on them, but there's literally no way for us to be in their spots. And I would hope that that was not the case, but we have to take into like consideration all of their motives, like every side of the story. And sometimes that just doesn't happen. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, before we get started, nobody steal my idea. What do I, do? I have, I have proof that I wrote it. Like, <laughs> like, whoa, five, like five years ago. <laughs> do you just realize you've been aging? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I have proof that I wrote it, so don't try and steal my idea, okay? I don't think they will. I just think it's it was a good idea and it was a good play. I just don't want anyone to take it because it's mine. I, it just sounds like enchanted to me. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. 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 It's not. It's not enchanted. I know. I'm just saying. I just said it sounded like it, and you were like, um, no. All right. Let's talk about Octavia and Dioza, cool. and also Gabriel? Question mark. AKA the plotline I am most interested in. Hey. Um, that's not shade, it's just that this is what I'm most interested in. It's just cool. Octavia and Dioza find a bioluminescent cave and also Xavier. They all hang out with Xavier and check on out Octavia's weird hand, which is causing her pain. The aging is spreading up to her brain, but good news. Xavier, who is definitely not Gabriel, Maybe. knows of a potential cure. And after they've run that errand, Dioza needs to go kill Gabriel, who is definitely not Xavier. Dioza tells Octavia she's not boring, which is probably the nicest thing anyone said to Octavia in like six years. Hmm. So, first of all, bioluminescent cave, nuts about that concept. Yeah, I really like the concept of them always having bioluminescence around Octavia because one of the things that was like Octavia's like thing at the beginning of season one was like the bioluminescent butterflies. Mm -hmm. So, like, I love when they have bioluminescence around Octavia because it reminds us slash potentially her of back then yeah when she was a different person and i like that they're exploring this concept a little bit more because so much of the science of that of basically that earth felt unexplored to me Mm -hmm. so now they're like okay well what if we took that concept and ramped it up and made it really cool and i'm like thanks guys appreciate it Mm -hmm. okay so they also note or xavier slash gabriel because i'm just married to this theory now (sighs) because there's more evidence later in here i want you to know there is um, he says that her hand was exposed. Mm-hmm. Well, he said it, it, it seems like it was the highest up because if it was actually exposed, it would be fossilized. Exactly. So apparently, so I guess like her hand was like the farthest up and it was like, just like got the brunt of it. Yeah. I wish um, we'd gotten a better look at that. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty dark, but what else is new? Yeah. Um, it's the hundred, but like the, even the fact that like the hand is like spreading is Dumbledore. Yeah. You talked about your Dumbledore theory last podcast and turns out you are correct. Like, I don't know if I would call it a Dumbledore theory, but it's just very reminiscent of Dumbledore and it's continuing to be Dumbledore-esque. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Perhaps an allegory or a metaphor, either mm. one which is applicable. Mm. Xavier calls the aging time dilation. Yes, I wrote that down. Uh, dilation is 
the action or condition of becoming or being made wider, larger, or more open. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the the most often time that I hear the word dilation is either um when your pupils are dilating slash when you're giving birth. Yeah, I was just going to say, she's probably going to go for a birth reference. I mean, I have to say, like, that's the time when I hear the word dilation the most. It's true, but that's, um, about that. that's more involving um a cervix. And not time. Anyway, so what do we think this means? That's my question, is that, like, dilation is becoming larger mm-hmm. or becoming wider. Mm-hmm. So the word time doesn't really go with that word unless, like, I mean, if I think of the phrase time dilation, I think, like, there is a time portal. You know, like, a portal being, like, like becoming larger. Like a black hole. Okay. That's the only way I can make it make sense, but I assume you have something. Well, time dilation is already a thing. Oh. Um... <laughs> So it's related to the theory of relativity. So it is the difference in the elapsed time measured by two observers, either due to a velocity difference relative to each other or by being differently situated relative to a gravitational field. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that um, they're not overly closely related, these two terms and their use with each other. Can you give me an example of, like, do you know an example of the time dilation that already exists? Clocks. Okay. So um, here, I'll tell you what Wikipedia says. Okay. Okay. So as a result of the nature of space time, a clock that is moving relative to an observer will be measured to tick slower than a clock that is at rest in the observer's own frame of reference. A clock that is under the influence of a stronger gravitational field than an observer's will also be measured to tick slower than the observer's own clock. I don't know if I... I still don't know if I understand. Okay, here we go. Such time dilation has been repeatedly demonstrated, for instance, by small disparities in a pair of atomic clocks after one of them is sent to space on a trip, or by clocks on the space shuttle running slightly slower than reference clocks on Earth. So it's how magnetism affects, like, the passing of time. Okay. Time dilation has also been the subject of science fiction works, as it technically provides the means for forward time travel. Okay. So I think it's a way of bending space time, which would be inside the anomaly, to push a clock or a hand forward in time. Okay. So let's see here. I'm going to do what I always do, which is look it up on Memory Alpha. Woo, the Star Trek Wikia. That's me with Lostpedia, by the way. Yeah. Let me look time dilation up on Lostpedia. I don't think anything will come up, even though there is some time stuff that happens on Lost. I don't know if I've ever heard time dilation. Let me find out. Okay, check it out. So in Star Trek, it's called a time warp. There's a time dilation. There's a time dilation Lostpedia page. Oh my God. Oh my God. When your two reference points in all of life collide. Oh my God, duh. Thank you so much for the example. I've got one now. No problem. Okay, Claire's going to make fun of me, but this is helpful. Okay, go ahead. Well, Claire says that I don't understand anything unless there's an example on Lost. And I this s- is Claire from Metastation, in case yeah. any of you miss Metastation. We are happy to roast her here. Yeah. Yeah. She's like our best friend, so it's okay. <laughs> I, li- we have a license to roast. Yes. I feel like even when you were kind of explaining it, I like kind of got it. Mm-hmm. But now that I have an example on Lost, I get it. Okay, we'll go ahead and explain it. And um, just I'm just going to put a thing in. If you don't want spoilers, skip through us talking about Lost. There's not going to be... It's not, it's not spoilers. So, basically, Magic Island. Mm-hmm. Right? Magic Island. Are you with me so far? No. Oh. Well, the, ma- the island is magic. Oh, I thought... Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. Yes, with the, island, the island is super magic. Yeah. So, the island is magic. And it's just kind of, like, vague, vaguely weird mm-hmm. at some point. Season four, there's a guy who comes to the island. He's my guy. He's, like, in my top five. His name's Dan. Okay. He's a bomb. Okay. Um, and he is a mathematical physicist. Okay. Who, like... 
I don't know if I would call it has like an expertise in time travel um, because he he's not like technically like allowed to do that, but he's very interested in it and he does a lot of studies on time travel. Okay. Okay. So basically, what happens is there is a boat. Sure. That's like off yonder. Sure. That Dan is kind of working with. Okay. And he is like, hey, can you send me like hello boat? Mm-hmm. Can you send me a, I don't, is it a missile? A rocket, it says. It's a little rocket. It's very tiny. And like, basically it's just gonna, like, they're like, they look at his location on the little phone that he's calling them. Okay. On, and um, they're gonna send the rocket to that location. Okay? Okay. So he's like, great. Thank you so much. So he is listening to the phone and Regina, who is the lady on the boat, is like, okay, should be there in 30 seconds. 20 seconds, 10 seconds. And Dan is also like looking at his clock and being like, yep, yep, yep. And then she's go- she gets down, she's like, five, four, three, two, one. And he's like, it is not here. And she's like, well, uh, the computer says that it is there. He's like, I literally don't even freaking see it. This is all paraphrasing, of course, because no, they don't is, speak like no, that. No, this is actual dialogue. And he's like, well, it isn't here, which is weird. And she's like, okay, well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you because the computer says that it is there. And then I think it's like an extra like 30 seconds or maybe even longer that like then it shows up. And he's okay. like, what? Things are off here. Okay. Time dilation. Yes, of course, because you are messing with the uh, laws of time. Yeah. Got you. Okay. So. Oh, sorry. I just checked the actual thing because I was just kind of explaining what I knew. 31 minutes. Oh God. Okay. It says it takes 31 minutes for it to actually get there. Time appears to pass slower on the island than in the rest of the world. The satellite phone conversation, however, was not affected by this phenomenon. Oh. Uh, you know what? There's there's another really great example of this in season four, Brittany. Hmm. Um, there is a character who... We, I mean, we don't really care about him, so it's not like a spoiler or anything, but there's a character who dies on the boat. Um, and before he even dies on the boat, we see his body um, on the island. Okay. Like, he get, he washes up on the island. They're like, hey, um, is that guy okay? And they're like, what? He's fine. And then, like, next episode, we see him die. Yeah. Like, that's how how ti- how dilated the time is at that point. Remember when I looked up time dilation on Lost PDF? as a joke well i think (laughs) (laughs) so it's basically an interruption of time caused by energy Mm -hmm. that is the most simplistic answer that we could do they use this of course i'm a freaking idiot they use this in one of my favorite episodes of star trek but i didn't think about it because they call it a temporal incursion as opposed to a temporal dilation but it's the same freaking thing which is the emission of energy changes time. So the temporal flare is the same thing as a temporal incursion. It, wherever it hits, changes. So for Octavia, this does make sense because basically in my brain, the way I'm making this work is that Octavia's arm exists outside of the rest of her body's like, like normal time. Right. Period. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, one thing that Xavier also pointed out is that the trees are all fossilized. Yeah. So they've been pushed so far into the future that they are now all fossils. Yeah. Like that's how far it is. Yeah. Um, interesting that the tree sap didn't turn into amber. Well, I noticed that so if you guys missed it, Jason Rothenberg, who is the showrunner, tweeted that that stuff that is the tree sap is called time amber. Um, but it was never actually said on the episode, was it? Yeah, they just called it sap. And amber is hard, whereas mm-hmm. sap is um what what one might call goo. 
Uh huh. Mm-hmm. One might would. One, one might. One might would call that. Mm. 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 One shouldn't, but one mm. might. Mm. So I don't know. I have I have questions. I'm excited about this plot line. Yeah. I'm nuts about it. All right. Okay. Anything else for this? I liked the part where he was like, "Oh, you're looking for Gabriel, huh?" I got the feeling. Okay, listen, we're crazy people, but like I. Because I'm looking for it, got the energy of that scene where he was like, oh, you're looking for Gabriel, huh? He, 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 you already found him. I'm right here. Right? He's like, mm, yeah, that's going to be really hard for you. Mm-hmm. Giant neon sign above his head that says, I'm Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with idiot right here. Yeah. Okay, next scene. Dioza tries to make sense of the plot with Xavier. Gabriel was the 13th Prime, but he stopped being okay with body snatching and instead became a terrorist to kill the Primes. Xavier, who is definitely not Gabriel, but knows what Gabriel would say in that situation, (laughs) says that he would call it a moral awakening. I I love that line because (laughs) as crazy people, he, he would call it a moral awakening. Not me, but he. But I might. know, I know what he would say. Yeah, we were good sure. bros. We yeah. were good bros. Yeah, yeah. Dioza isn't looking for redemption. She's looking to save her baby. Xavier says that Russell will consider the baby a null, which won't be able to bear children or live a full life. Dioza is just glad the baby will live at all. She's not going to join his super secret club because her days of fighting for lost causes are over. But Xavier points out that Octavia kind of exactly fits that description down to a T. Then Xavier taps a tree for sap with superpowers and uses it to heal a cut on Dioza's arm. Time in a bottle. Mm Mm-hmm. So the old man is the original Gabriel, which I think we all kind of guessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got that. Um, He didn't want to be immortal anymore. So that tells me that he was. That he he was put into somebody else's body. That it isn't like the original, the old man is like the original Gabriel. But like her saying he didn't want to be immortal anymore. And I know she wouldn't know because she doesn't, she doesn't know much about him or Mm -hmm. whatever. But the use of the, of the word anymore makes me think that he was immortal at some point. Like he, he was put into somebody else's body. It's almost like Gabriel was put into the body of someone named Savior. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Blinking neon sign. Talk to me about the concept of a no. Okay, so this is exactly what Gabriel slash Xavier plot. What should, what should we call him? Zabriel. Zabriel. This is what Zabriel said. Mm-hmm. She will be a null, which means she. Why am I hearing Vuvuzelas? Oh, I bet the Raptors won. Mm. Alexa, did the Raptors win tonight? Earlier today, the Raptors beat the Warriors 114 to 110. Yay! We the Norse. We the Norse. Another victory for Asgeta. Yeah. Okay, so here's what life would be like as a null. Okay. You can't bear children. You have to clean toilets, volunteer as a guard, or tend to the dead. Hi, Brittany. I have a question. Yeah, I think I have the same question. What's your question? Well, my question is that um, he says that she wouldn't be able to bear children, Mm -hmm. but he also says that she would be considered a null. So now my question is, won't be able to bear children or won't be allowed to bear children? Exactly. Because what? That was my question as well, and I wonder if this is tied into Josie's oblation program. Yeah, because she uses, like, in the scene later, she uses the word null and the word oblation, like, in the same sentence. Yep. So, so they're clearly, um, they're clearly connected. So what do you think constitutes a null if you're born in sanctum? Yeah, I mean... To be honest, my first thought when Zabriel was talking about that was um, the concept of squibs. Yeah. On uh, in Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, which at this point it's uh, it's 2019, read and or watch Harry Potter. 
Yeah. What world are you living in? Um, but basically the concept of a squib is like, okay, so there are pure bloods, which is like in the pure blood family, you know, you are a wizard wizard, you're a pure blood, you know, you're the highest of the high, apparently, right? Mm, yeah. Then there's half blood. Well, then there's regular wizards who aren't who just aren't pure bloods. But then there's half blood like Harry, who one of his parents is a muggle, which is a person with no magic, or a muggle-born, which I will talk about in a second, and a wizard. So basically, mixed parentage, you're a half-blood. Then there is a muggle-born, and a muggle-born is somebody who had a wizard or a witch in their um, ancestry, but both of their parents are muggles, which, like I said, is someone who doesn't have any magic at all. So if you're a muggle-born, you literally, like, you, you... get to 11 and somebody shows up and says, you're a wizard, Harry. And you get to go. But then there's also the opposite of a muggle-born, which is a squib. So like I said before, a muggle-born is somebody who is a wizard, but has muggle parents. A squib is somebody who has wizard or or magical parents, but doesn't have any magical powers. And it's kind of like like the concept of a null is completely like looked down upon you're the scum of the earth no one likes you like a lot of people in the wizarding community look down on squibs more than they look down on muggles even yeah because it's so it's it's like embarrassing it's embarrassing and shameful so i mean when he was talking about it that was the first thing that i thought of was the concept of a squib okay so go with me on this then okay if Two people with black blood Mm -hmm. have a child, and that child doesn't have black blood. Do you think that's a null? Could be. Do we see any nulls? Like, we don't know if anybody that we know right now is a null, but, like... Obviously, that wasn't possible on Earth because basically, like, only one real Nightblood at a time. You know, it's like they kill all the Nightbloods, then there's one Nightblood left, and that's the commander. And yeah. then all of the other children come up and they have Nightblood. So there's no way for, like, Nightbloods to have like two nightbloods to have kids yeah in on the earth because there's really only one that's an actual adult like do the primes reproduce once they're primed or are they just like they they are holy sacred people who do not reproduce after they've been put in a new brain i think i definitely think that they do not reproduce because because then they would feel like they need to have another mind drive and they don't have one yeah because the child that they would produce would you would either assume that they would want to raise that child or that child is raised to have a mind drive put in it later but they don't have any mind drives, dude. Like, they literally, like, they only have... No, they raise, the, they raise the child for another one of the primes once one of them dies. Yeah, but if they were doing that, like, the other primes would find out, right? And they'd be like, sup? No, I would just assume that all the primes were doing that. This, this is why I'm confused about, like, why a baby from the outside would be considered a null because I want to know what defines a null in the first place because for oblation, I'm now thinking that oblation is sterilization. Right. Yeah. It's literally either extreme. It's you are sterilizing people who are nulls who like don't have black blood or you are implanting an embryo that is like has the potential to be black blood into someone and that's oblation. Right. I don't know. It's one of those two. Yeah. They're still like they're, they're throwing around these words that we don't really like and they're giving us like half definitions mm-hmm. that if I can bring up Harry Potter again for some reason like when um the whole thing about Ilvermorny came out and they gave us all four of the Ilvermorny houses and they were like they're not the Hogwarts houses the Hogwarts houses are completely different there aren't even like houses that like go together you know like like Wampus is not Gryffindor these are just gibberish words people who don't pay attention to this but like you know and um puck wedgie is not hufflepuff you know um they were like they're completely different but they are these four houses Mm -hmm. and all of us 
were like, okay, but I can't tell what house I'm in because I don't have any examples as to who is like in this, yeah, this house. You know what I mean? Like, so if you didn't know what Slytherin was, but you were given Draco Malfoy and someone said, this is a Slytherin and you were given like Harry Potter and you were like, this is a Gryffindor. I now know what Slytherin and Gryffindor are. You know what I mean? But like, I have nobody except for like the random people that she gave us in that tiny story about Ilvermorny. Yeah. About who was in each and like, you know, some of the Fantastic Beast characters, whatever. So if a null is- If they want to, like, I I need to see a null. I need to figure out who a null is based on a person you know i i want a person not an example or not not a definition yeah but i mean if a null is not allowed to bear children Mm -hmm. either either is physically presented or is not permitted to yeah how do they choose who that is you mean well it makes me wonder if there's a severe form of population control Mm. to keep sanctum in uh at a manageable number yeah do you know what i mean yes and maybe oblation has something to do with that as well xavier says that gabriel might answer how fossilization is possible before Dioza kills him. But you know what's weird? He totally answers it later. Um, so coincidence? I think not. Mm-hmm. You know? He knows. Huh. Gabriel would answer that? Oh, would he, Xavier? No, would he? Would he? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that the um phrasing volunteer to die as a guard was a real it was really interesting. It means that like every guard dies. I guess. I mean like, Jade said that she would be dead if she didn't have a new charge. Yeah. Um, they talk about how Octavia is a lost cause. It reminds me of that one Riverdale line where Alice says to Betty, um, something like, are you still the patron saint of lost causes, Betty? Oh, I Great see. Great line. Um, I want to go back to the phrase tend to the dead for a second. What the okay. hell does that mean? Yeah. Are those the special skeleton cleaners? Dr. Curdle Jr. There you go! Okay, yes. we figured it out. Yes. Um, freaking, he, like, t- tries to get the time amber out of the tree, and then Dios is like, hey, is that just sap? I'm like, you are wasting the time amber. I have a feeling that that is a, a hot commodity. Yeah. Maybe let's not drop it on the ground. Yeah, 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 I agree. Although, wouldn't it have been a cool shot if, if after they had walked away, they would have given us a close-up on, like, that place where the ground, and then we got, like, a little sprout or whatever? But we might get to see that in a later episode. Maybe. But- Xavier did say that it couldn't reverse aging, right? but it could heal. He says you don't heal old age, but if it's time, Amber, like, it shouldn't, didn't it die of going, old age. shouldn't it be going yes, back it in time? Possibly. Is it healing or is it going back in time? Because it's called time, Amber. Yeah, he, he said it was like time, Amber, time, sap. And my assumption of what it did to Dioza's wrist was that it sent her, the, like, literal particles of her being back to a state before it was injured. That's what I was, that's what I thought too. Yeah. So that's why I'm a little confused as to why it's not helping Octavia. But also why can it, so can it touch glass? So basically it has to touch organic matter. Okay. Okay. So I, okay. That makes sense. That's, that's a fair rule. It has you to mean touch because, or- because it was touching like the little bottle and the yes. spout as well. What's that called? The little spout a thing? Spigot? Spigot. Yeah. Yes. It's how you tap maple syrup. Mm-hmm. If I could just really quickly reference our Riverdale <laughs> when we saw that. I'm so sorry. We literally did not talk about Riverdale at all. And then we just made three references in like the past five minutes. Oops. So sorry. Goodbye. Dioza doesn't want Octavia to be remembered the way she has been. So Dioza may not be looking. Can you say that again just because there was a giant cannon in the background? I think that's, um adds a little bit of um flavor, Vancouver flavor. Okay. Every day at nine o'clock, a giant ass cannon goes off. And that's called the nine o'clock gun. And it went through my sentence. He's my friend. He Robin once walked to the nine o'clock gun just because she wanted to see it. 
Once. Twice. Three, Three times. times. Okay, he's but my, he's my buddy. Oh, yeah? I love the 9 o'clock gun. I know. Because he's right over there, and he and, and I can hear him every day. I'm like, yep, he's still there. Look, he's my bud. It's 9 o'clock. I know what time it is. Yep. Anyway, so Diosa doesn't want Octavia to be remembered the way she has been. Mm-hmm. Diosa might not want redemption for herself, but she definitely wants redemption for Octavia. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it kind of breaks my heart that Diosa is remembered the way she is, because she we did get a little bit more of a hint, which is, I'm done fighting for lost causes. Yeah. What was her lost cause? Right, right, right. Given the fact that she was fighting around our time, mm-hmm. I feel like it's not hard to guess what some of her causes might have been. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. All right, next scene. Dioza writes in her diary while Xavier rubs Octavia's weird old hand with sap. <laughs> She's like such an odd... Just, yeah. <clears throat> the aging is only slowing, but not healing her. This tree sap isn't an exact science, okay? Octavia only has two days to live. She wants them to cut her arm off. Xavier notices that her arm is actually making weird movements, so he puts a rock in her hand and tells her to graffiti a stone. What a rebel. She draws a logarithmic spiral. Turns out that her old arm is sending her a message from the future, and guess what? So is Dioza's. Also, it once called Xavier and he got a neat tattoo for his trouble. Mm-hmm. Cool. Octavia kind of got like a worse end of that deal, I think. Yeah. You know, he got a cool tattoo and um, Octavia has this knobbly arm. <laughs> Not a fair trade. I know. I saw it and I was like, I don't know. Still just looks like Britney's arm. Oh my God. You know, you say you have old hands once <laughs> and you never live it down. Hmm. I thought, I legit thought it was going to write a message from the future. When we were watching Fully. it, I thought it was going to literally be like, watch out for this guy or like, he is Gabriel, or, like, something, like, actual words. Yeah, like, neon sign, but on rock. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I kind of thought. I thought, I was like, oh, this is gonna be cool. Then I was like, oh, it's a doodle. <laughs> it's not a doodle, though, because it's actually, like, it's a thing. Yeah. I mean, I understand that, like, it's a thing, right? And, like, he has a tattoo, and then Dioza's like, I also wrote a thing. But, like, if she had been the only one who was doing that, I was like, cool, so her hand is old, and it's going in circles. You know? Yeah. So. Like, like, oh. But since it's a thing, it makes sense. Be like, oh, okay. That's just normal for you, then. That's just yeah. a another day. Yeah. But the anomaly is calling all three of them. And I thought the music in this moment was really, really great. It was very, it was very lost, to be it honest. It was very lost. That's why I liked it. I could feel it. I was like, ooh, I know that. I know that. So I was correct. The logarithmic spiral is basically like the, uh, it's like a law of nature. It's the, the golden ratio. I remember it from, uh, they talked a lot about it in Orphan Black. Yeah. It's like, um, an idea of perfection. Mm-hmm. So what does that have to do with what's going on here? This is your thing, right? Remember, my thing's the prime, so I don't know. My spiral thoughts are that I'm not smart enough to understand the spiral. Mm-hmm. I'm woman enough math. to admit that. I don't understand math. I know that, like, it's tied into, like, the Fibonacci numbers and the Fibonacci sequence and Robin's brain just started firing with the numbers comment, but I don't... Daniel Faraday would know. Probably would. Yeah. He's not here. Um. He's not real. My expertise of these things only goes so far into... Only goes as far as to when they were used in sci-fi, and since I can't recall this... Other than I think in the show Fringe, I don't actually, I don't have, I don't have a guess right now. I wish I did, mm-hmm. but I don't. Diosa says that Xavier said that it would cure Octavia. And Xavier says, um. I said it might cure her. I said it might cure Octavia. But if you actually go and watch that scene, um, he doesn't say that sentence at all. Oh, he doesn't even say whether or not it'll cure her. Yeah, he super doesn't. He's just like, I have a solution. Ah. But okay. he doesn't say, yeah, the word might just ever happen. All right. Yeah. So I don't, I wish I had some theories on this, but I feel like I'm not qualified enough to have them, but some of our listeners 
listeners who are smarter than me will. Pretend that we didn't say that Xavier was Gabriel last week so that we can tell you this week that Xavier is Gabriel. Why? So that we have a theory. Mm, I see. Well, I have a lot of, I have a lot of theories. I have a lot of proven theories this mm. week um, that I actually forgot to mention, which was that I got on my Star Trek bull a couple episodes ago about a biotemporal chamber, mm-hmm. which turned out to basically be like the same idea as the sap, which is something that reverses like time. Mm-hmm. So instead of it actually being something you put someone in, it turned out to be goop. But in my mind, you've now been presented with two different ways to save Marcus Kane. One is turn him into an iPod and put his brain in someone else. And the other is, hey, magic sap that could um heal a wound. So I think there's going to be a fork in the road for Abby Griffin at some point, And Octavia is going to have to roll in with the solution to a problem that she kind of helped cause. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my theory for this week is Marcus Kane maybe is um, going to be alive. Watch. Cool. Hey, Brittany, can I ask you, do you know what Patreon is? <sighs> I do know what Patreon is. Tell me. It's a monthly service where you can donate to your favorite creators. Wow. Yeah. And our donations only start at a dollar a month. That's it? Yeah. And it helps us pay for our hosting fees and it gets you at least a day early access to our pods. Whoa. What if I don't have a dollar a month? Oh, that's okay. The next best thing is word of mouth. Just tell your friends that you listen to this podcast. Wow. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So you can do that. Okay. Do it. Okay. Text someone right now. Oh. Yeah. I feel like everyone that I've ever known already knows about my podcast. Fair enough. You know, I talk a lot. So for the Sanctum plotline, which was kind of a mess structurally, Mm -hmm. we kind of split it up by character. Yeah. So it's like there's a there's a point at the beginning where it's like you know, everything's kind of all together. Yeah. And then and then it kind of splits off into characters. So that yeah. was one actual um, complaint that we had about the episode was that there was a, it felt like there was too much going on. Yeah, it, it was a mess. Yeah. There was not enough of some things and then there was way too much of other things. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, I don't, I didn't need this. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like there was time wasted on certain things like the offering grove stuff. I don't know if we needed that much time in there. Yeah. But I wanted way more stuff with Dios and Octavia. Mm-hmm. But and of course, they're playing the long con with that one and they're yeah. going to drag that out for a while. But yeah, yeah the, the multiple different storylines that were going on in this episode were unnecessary. Because yeah. by my count, even though Murph and me and Josie kind of interacted, at some point there were two separate plot lines there. Yeah. So that was one two, the group at the end, so kind of three, Echo, four, Dios and Octavia, five, Raven and Riker, six, Maddie, seven. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. That's too much. Of course, like, the episode, I, I, I just want to clarify, was very well written. It was, like, from a first-time writer here, she did a great job. Yes. But I think she was handed an episode where she had to juggle a lot of things, mm-hmm. and that was not in her control, obviously. Yeah. And she did a good job with what she was given. Mm-hmm. It's just that I think for this episode, they needed to pair a couple storylines back. Yeah. So having said all of that, and having given disclaimers and also shoutouts, where would you like to start? I would like to start at the front beginning part where we have, like, all of the stuff. Like, so Murphy and Josephine? Yeah, Murphy, Josephine, and then Josephine goes up to Maddie, and then okay. and then the, the little group comes in, and yeah. as soon as the group disperses, then it's like everything. Alright, so we're gonna start at the front end group. So, Murphy briefs Josephine on the intricacies of Clark. He's super tired of it, but Josie has a body snatcher insomnia and wants to study enough to manipulate Abby into agreeing to create Nightblood. Her studying is interrupted by a screaming Maddie. She's speaking to Shade Hedda and can 
can't be interrupted. So Josie interrupts it because she's reckless. Gaia is not having any of Josie's crap. Maddie sees a Sith Lord in the mirror. Mm-hmm. What the hell is going on? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. There's a there's a lot to unpack just in this first scene. I I really don't want them to forget about that one thing that Josie said where she thought that Murphy was cute. Not only because I agree, mm-hmm. but also I just think that is such a funny little like nuance to add to the scenes. Yeah. I, I wish that they leaned into it a little bit more because like we have a few times in this episode where it's like clear that like you can maybe see that Josie has a crush on Murphy. Maybe. Yeah. But um, like especially the part where she's like, I thought it was badass that you pumped someone's heart with your bare hands. I was gonna say, I think that that was an example. Yeah, and I think that the uh, 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 part where that could have been an example, but I wish had been dialed up a little bit more was when Imori full on just kisses Murphy in front of Josie. And and there's a shot of her afterwards. So, you know, they're like kind of, but I wish they had leaned into it more where she was just like, (laughs) yeah, like you could definitely interpret it as Josie looking at me going, ugh. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that the little flashcards they're using are that they've cut up Killian's pictures. That's that so funny. Which and there's really like cool. stuff written on the back too. Yeah. yeah so right. Abby's weaknesses. Literal flashcards. Literal flashcards. Yeah. Abby's weaknesses are cannibalism, mm-hmm. Jake, and Kane. And then of course, addiction. the things that Clark has had to do and addiction. Yeah. So Abby's got a lot of weaknesses. I, and I think that they did this on purpose, but I was under the impression that all of these shots at Abby were like, just in case she does this. Like, what if she does this? Then I bring up this. Mm-hmm. Like, what if I bring up this? What if she brings up this? Then I bring up this. You thought it would be more of a a, a waltz. I thought it was going to be tactical. Yes. You know? But, and maybe Josie just like panicked a little bit and was just like, let me just give her every single thing that I have. Just, yeah. Like, just so that I know that it'll work for sure. But like, it was harsh. It was, because it was just every single thing that Abby was dreading. Yeah. At once. It was like a Roadrunner cartoon where it's like, you know, they throw up one roadblock and then another roadblock. And at the end, it's a freaking anvil that falls on Abby's emotions. Right. But and we're not there yet. But like, that was what Murphy basically armed Josie with. Well, and I also know that Murphy like didn't intend for it to all like fall on her like an anvil. He really wanted it to just be like prick, 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 prick. Because that's how Murphy would do it. Exactly. Yes. And, but but she just went hard. And I don't think that's what he wanted at all. And I think that ultimately backfired on Josie. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it later yes. in the uh, Josie and Abby scene. But I think because of the very blunt way that Josie went at it, Abby is sort of, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I also thought it was interesting that she brought up the fact that usually you, you can't really sleep for the first few nights in, in a new host. Mm-hmm. Obviously later we see her like taking some sort of sleeping pill yeah. so that she can go to sleep. But I think that is important to remember. Yeah, it's almost like her body and her brain are hosting two different energies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So this might also be a conversation for later. So just let me know if it is. But why is Murphy getting two? Is he giving I one? I don't know. I don't know if, and I know that Amori is just as like survival driven as Murphy is, but I don't know if Amori would agree to this especially oh. after that six years i don't know if it like i just don't understand why he's getting two i like, have an answer for you actually great. um i the writers just put up um the script to screen ah. which is that we get to see what the script looked like before you know it was shot yay and in the description of the scene which they don't put on screen which i am a little irritated by they say that murphy secured the drive for he and Amori. okay but they don't say that on screen so you're just kind of going okay i can safely assume this but i would love if y'all 
all said it. I also assumed that it was about Amori, although it's like, it's very clear that they like got back together and everything, but also you guys like broke up for like, what, like a year or like at least a few months? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I'd be like, can you come and be immortal with me if you're going to fight with me all the time? And you know? I, I don't think Amori would do it. I don't think Amori would either. I think Amori before the six year time jump mm -hmm. would do it. I don't know if the Amori now would do it, especially after seeing all of these other people who mean so much to her mm -hmm. talk about how literally horrible it is. And at the same time, I think Amori's relationship with Raven would teach, I mean, they're, they both have disabilities. Mm -hmm. So they both have an understanding of what it means to be in your body and, and to fight yeah. for that body, right? Yeah. So I don't think Amori, I mean, we have heard Amori say, there's nothing, why would I hide something that right. I'm not ashamed of, right? Yeah, I would if I had one. Yeah. Why would she leave a perfectly good body that she has accepted and embraces and loves because it's her body and there's nothing wrong with it yeah. to go into a new one? Mm -hmm. I, I think that Amori and Raven have the same wavelength there where neither of them would do it. Yeah. Um, I want to say for the record that Gaia is smarter than Josie. Yep. She is too smart for Josie to fool. And it's clear that like, I mean, Clark has had the actual flame in her brain. Mm -hmm. She knows what the consequences of getting pulled out of that are. Yeah. She knows what um what it's like in there even. Josie knows nothing about the actual flame because 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 Murphy doesn't know anything Murphy about the actual flame. About so But that's the thing is like the arrogance of Josie to assume that she can get through all of this just by bluffing and only really listening to information that she deems necessary, which yeah. is I don't need to know anything about this random kid. Yeah. I just need to know about Clark's mom in order to manipulate her. And then once everyone knows that I'm Clark, I don't have to worry about any of this anyway. Yeah, the commanders mean nothing here, so I don't care about the commanders. Exactly. And the problem is that they, they mean almost everything because of course they're gonna tie back to the mind drives at some point, yeah. you know? Gaia's eyeliner or her eyeshadow or whatever looks so freaking good. Yeah, it's on point. I don't, like, I don't know how, I don't know where she's getting makeup from, but I'm really proud of her. You pointed this out and I think it is an absolutely fantastic observation slash joke. You don't even watch Star Wars and you were like, um, I've seen one Star War. Yeah, and you were like, that looks like the bad guy. And I was, I was like, like, that guy, I've definitely seen that guy in memes for sure. For, for sure. So Shade Hedda is essentially Emperor Palpatine down to the voice. Right. You know, like, it's not as gravelly, but yeah, that is just Emperor Palpatine. He looked familiar and he was on two episodes of iZombie in season one and that's how I know him. Incredible. Yeah. What happened to Shade Hedda to make him look like that? And make him like sound like that? How much of that is like Maddie romanticizing, not romanticizing, but like, you know what I mean? How much of that is Maddie's brain being like, he's supposed to be scary, so I made him extra scary. I don't think that has anything to do with Maddie's brain. Because it's the flame, right? Yes. So it's supposed to be like actual. So like- I think that's how Shade Hedda chooses to- um to present himself. himself. Gotcha, gotcha. And it's like, okay, Edgelord, calm down. Right, so not necessarily that was what he looked like in life, but, like, that's what his essence is. Yes. Okay, okay. He just, like, he really liked Star Wars. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean... If he was the first commander, he saw Star Wars at some point. Echo and company roll back into town. They want to know where Bellamy is. And oh, also, um, are the body snatch rumors true? Just wondering. Josie tells them that they all need to stay put and learn enough to start their own community. So helpful that Bellamy is out scouting a location for that without Echo or any backup, right? What a nice guy. So nice. <sighs> Raven points out that she's never done anything wrong ever in her life, which is true. They all agree to fake it for a while until they get what they need. And Echo decides to go find her boyfriend. Murphy will kill Josie himself if his boyfriend Bellamy is dead, but yes. he's not yet. Also, Jade needs to follow Echo, so that'll probably go well for her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. She's like, yeah, I definitely want to follow the spy. 
who can't tell that I'm spying on her for sure. Yeah, that's gonna go, like, she's definitely gonna live through that, right? Right? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So, freaking incredible opening to this scene. I find it so amazing that Murphy dreams about people accusing him of things. That makes sense for him. It does. That makes sense for that little garbage man. Yeah. Yeah, he wakes up and he's like, it wasn't me. And it's like, you know what? It usually, sometimes it isn't. Yeah, sometimes it isn't, but sometimes, sometimes Sometimes it is. I like that Echo calls it family meeting. I do too. Yeah. All of them who are there are space crew except for Clark. And Maddie. Well, Maddie's upstairs though. Yeah. I mean like the people who are actually in this little meeting. Yeah. And I like that. It's nice that she considers Clark part of that. And that, uh, I think Josie looks confused by the use of that phrase. Family? Yes. Yeah. She says family meeting and, uh, Josie's like, huh? He's like, yeah, it's called having friends. Have you tried it? You Mm -hmm. loser. Have you tried not killing them? Mm -hmm. Murphy says that Bellamy being dead means everything they're doing is for nothing because Bellamy will kill all of Sanctum. Yeah. He knows his boyfriend really well. Bellamy's a teddy bear. He can try and kill everyone in Sanctum. I mean, he did once kill 300 grounders. Not by himself. It's true, but he was cool with it. Uh-huh. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I just don't know if Bellamy is... That was Bellamy the ability then. to do it all by himself, you know? I don't know if he has the ability to go through with it now. Right, 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 right. Like, and of course, they talk about that later. The, the subtitles on Netflix are messed up. Uh-huh. Because they say that Bellamy may as well kill himself. Yeah. Murphy said, you may as well kill us all now. (laughs) I was like, those are two very different story points that you've accidentally screwed up. It's, and it's not something to just, like, gloss over either, because there are people who are deaf or hard of hearing who need subtitles. Count on those. Like, not everybody reads lips, and also, like, when actors are acting, they are not... Concern, like concerned with being able to like Murphy's a mumbler. He is my Murphy. My man Murphy is a mumbler. Yeah, so it's hard to read his lips. So you're counting on those um, subtitles, mm-hmm. and so it's important for them to be correct. Yes, yeah. it's disappointing. And they were messed up a lot in this episode. So what's Stop. good Canadian Netflix? Yeah. Um, how do you feel about Raven saying that sh- she's been proud of every single decision that she's made? Listen, that can't be true. Yeah, first of all, there's no way that's true. No. It goes back to what Sam, who is Sam KCC on Twitter, I date her and she writes reviews on TelltaleTV.com. You should go read them. She said, Raven has never really had to make the kind of sacrificial decision that Clark has. Right. And then Raven flat out says that in this episode. Yes. And it's like, yes, that is something to be proud of that you've been able to hold on to your morals. But you can't lord that over other people who have suffered and sacrificed for you as well. Yeah. It seems to me that Raven is not considering, like, even though she didn't have to, even though she didn't have to um, make those decisions, she doesn't consider what she would have done if she had to have made the, make those decisions. Exactly. So it's like, Raven, what, like, what's going on? I understand that she's angry. I understand that bad things happen to her and everything, but I, I just want everyone to get along and I know that that's not part of the show, but Raven, come on, Raven. I, w- I would love to see a positive Raven. I just haven't seen a positive Raven in so long. Well, I'm interested to see how much of this is going to turn into guilt for Raven because right. she's said some truly nasty things to Clark and then Clark died. She fully did. So, and then this is the second time that Clark has died in Raven's mind because of course they thought she died at the end of season four. Yes. So now they have like a definitive, like they're watching Clark's body walk around without Clark being in the head. Yeah. And that must be really trippy because Raven now can't, she has a walking reminder of what she's been lording over Clark's head. But I don't think Clark ever 
Or I don't think Raven ever wanted Clark to die. Oh, no. 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 I think Raven wanted to eventually work through what she had with Clark once they were at peace, but now they can't. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's fair to say that Raven is on a high horse. I would definitely agree. In the same way that Murphy was talking about, what do you do if Abby gets on her high horse? Yeah. I mean, I don't think Abby can even have the horse at this point. Like, she's just been beaten right down into the ground. Raven is still kind of up on it. Yeah. You know? So I don't begrudge Raven that because in Raven's mind, like, hello, half of these people are monsters anyway, and they're body snatchers and Clark's going along with it. And that must be really weird for her. Yeah. But I do wonder what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. I love that Murphy's like, I need to know where Bellamy is because we haven't actually chatted about that. Mm -hmm. And you better not have killed him because then I can't be friends with you. Yeah. 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 Everything else is over. Killing Clark. That sucks. Killing everybody else. That sucks. Don't kill Bellamy, though, or else I'm out. I will chop up our friendship bracelets, and mm-hmm. I just made them for you. Yeah, I don't have a problem. Um, I liked how Josie considers herself to be one of the good guys. That's also another thing. It's a repeated line in in Lost. I mean, uh, Josie uses the phrase, the side of the angels, which always reminds me of the Sherlock line. I maybe, uh, basically, Moriarty keeps telling Sherlock that he's boring because he's on the side of the angels. And Sherlock says, I may be on the side of the angels, but don't think for one, one second that I, I am, am one of them. them. And it's iconic. And I always thought that line was clunky because I always thought he should have ended that line with, I am one. And he always oh. finished it with one of them. And I was like, no! Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But on Lost, there is a uh, recurring line that is, we're, we're the good guys or we're, we're the good guys jack so and that's coming from a character who you kind of know and like do not consider one of the good guys Mm -hmm. um which is what josie is doing is she's saying i'm i am the good guys um when she very clearly is not and it's very much the abby line which is maybe there are no good guys you know there's very much the obsession with we must be good we must try and do good like we are the heroes of this story and of course abby's journey is wow none of us are heroes of this story we're right. all monsters. I love that line where Josie said, we're all the heroes of our own story. And she's right. But we're not necessarily the heroes of everyone else's story. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, especially in Clark's case, I don't think Clark has ever been the hero of her own story. I think Clark views right. herself as the villain. Which is interesting because that phrase basically just means like, walk a mile in someone else's shoes or like, think of things from everybody else's perspective, you know? So I think that's interesting. See, whereas like, it always reminds me of that song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is I'm the villain in my own story. Like, I I very much think that's how Clark views herself and she wants to be better than that. Mm-hmm. And Josie's like, well, I'm a freaking hero. And I'm like, you're a visionary. insane. Yeah. You are unstable and not in a cute way. Mm-hmm. Um, Echo? Sure, let's move on to Echo. Echo, Echo, Echo. So Echo's plotline is pretty simple. Yeah. Um, we'll go through it scene by scene, but there's not a lot to it. Echo follows the foraging party who are looking for special mushrooms for an adjustment protocol, which Mm -hmm. is apparently Josie's favorite ritual. Echo hears a man groaning and finds a dude fully covered in gross vines. He asks for mercy. Sorry, adjustment protocol? Yeah, they, yeah. The, isn't that like, what is it, 612 oh, oh, is like named that or something? Oh, is it? Yeah, that's that's definitely a, an episode name that's coming up. Well, there you go. That's Josie's favorite ritual. Is that and, what they said? Adjustment protocol? Yeah, the subtitles were once again wrong. It said Allegis something. And I was like, yes. that doesn't make any sense. Those words don't flow. So I turned it up in my headphones mm-hmm. and it's fully adjustment protocol. Like it's actually right. quite easy to hear. That makes me feel better. 
Um, sorry, continue. Echo hears a man groaning and finds a dude fully covered in gross vines. He asks for mercy, but Jade stops Echo from giving him it. He chose the path of the offering grove. He wants Jade to join him, but she has another charge. He offered himself to the forest because he was the one who lowered the shield to let the ship in, allowing Rose's kidnapper to find her. Echo knocks Jade out and grants Vine Man mercy. And I want you to know that I accidentally typed Grant's Vine Man Mary, (laughs) and that has a different vibe to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel bad for him because I don't think that it was his fault for Rose's death at all. No, he was doing what he was told to do, but they raised these people to sacrifice themselves at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Or I guess the drop of a shield. I do think that if it's anybody's fault- I don't think it's Jade's fault either. I don't think it's Jade's fault either. Jade was like, if he should blame anyone, he should blame me. And I'm like, girl, why? I don't really know. I don't really think it's anybody's fault, like, in Sanctum. No. I think unless, like, unless somebody, like, opened the door for the cog by accident for the Children of Gabriel by accident, that it's like, whoops, I whoopsie. fully helped them take Rose. But they also but, had a man on the inside, too. Yeah. So I don't, I really don't see how this is anyone's fault unless Jade was having, like, some kind of relationship or was friends with, what's his face? Killian? Mm. But I don't know. Right. Something about that is just, like, they're blaming, I think because the Primes have basically taught them this, but they must blame themselves for everything that goes wrong. Yeah. And then sacrifice themselves for it. And their willingness to die probably is great for the offering growth. Yes. Um, I also thought it was interesting that the people who were doing the um, foraging, they were talking about how much they missed Josephine. So they clearly don't know that she's back. No, no one has any clue. No one knows except for the very few people. Um, not even Miranda knows that Josephine's back. I, I'm hoping that doesn't get dropped because I think it would be interesting to see the other Prime's reaction to it. Yes, Miranda is the person who's supposed to be the most angry because it was Jasmine's turn next. Exactly. Priya, yeah. Um, Miranda's daughter. Another thing that we, we kind of stopped on the map that Echo was holding and one of the things that we actually missed when we were watching, because I think that the, um, Aspect ratio is different on the when we were watching it versus on Netflix. Yeah, live like live TV is never going to be as HD as freaking Netflix is. Right? Um, the little like red thing said no uh COG known territory. Yeah, so it wasn't just like known territory. It was like these. This is the Children of Gabriel's territory. Let's stay out of there. Which also yeah. is another like maybe reference to Lost because like the main thing like where the monster is is called the Dark Territory. So if this is known territory of the Cogs, Mm -hmm. that to me says that the Cogs have been a problem for a while. Yeah. yeah. And that also makes me wonder, is the shield, the radiation shield, actually for radiation? Or is it just to keep the Cogs out? Because they're having, like, Earth crew build their own shield. Right. For what purpose? Yeah, I don't know. It it can't be for radiation protection against the, the double eclipse. The bugs? Perhaps. I would buy. I would build a radiation shield specifically to keep out bugs. I don't you like also them. you need bugs to pollinate those fields. That's true. That's true. You need bug. You need the interaction of those ecosystems in order to have like crops. It's called a food chain, Mama. Exactly. So I do have questions. I know that the primes are the ones who can pass through easily. Yes. So why build a shield that only will allow primes to pass through it? Because that means- Because they're keeping the other people in, too. Yeah, but I mean, that also means a Xavier can come and go as he freaking pleases. If our if our theory is correct. Well, e- even if it's not Xavier, Gabriel can come and go right. as he pleases. True. But he's supposed to be an old, old man. Yeah, it helps if you have sap in, uh, can reverse all of that. Or Do you think he things. takes a sap bath? That would be incredible. A goo bath. 
Lux. That's what we called resurrection in Battlestar. Luxury. Ooh, yeah, luxury. He's like, yeah, this is a weird spa. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, it's actually Gabriel's hotel and spa. Mm. Welcome to it. Mm-hmm. Over here, we have your Orbeez bath. Mm-hmm. Fantastic if you need protection from temporal anomalies. Right. And over here, we have the sap bath. Mm-hmm. Great if you've been stabbed, shot, or wounded. Yeah. And then over here, we have the arts and crafts station. Yeah, if you're interested in, like... Doodling a Fibonacci spiral. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, there's lots to do with that spa. Cool. Cool. How could you still be alive with all those vines in you? Well, not happily. I just, like, bleh. Yeah, it looks uncomfortable, to say the least. Fantastic effects, though. If if Jade is friends with this dude, why does Jade want him to suffer? Is because this... they were raised for this. I know, but, like, once you get, like, taken in, isn't it, at this point, it's like, okay, unless, like, the trees need you to stay alive yeah. to get nutrients from you, I guess? I think the longer you're alive, the better an offering you are. Right. Which makes me wonder what would happen if you offered the offering grove a nightblood instead. Right. Because I'm guessing the vines creep into veins so what would it do with black blood i don't know jade wakes up in the offering grove with echo standing over her she went to find bellamy but wow bellamy wasn't there Hmm. she wants to know where he is who sent jade and who jade's new charge is she puts the puzzle pieces together and figures out that clark is gone she'll kill josie if bellamy is dead but bellamy has until second moon to live Mm -hmm. echo thanks for being truthful and leaves her to be consumed by the forest she'll return if she wants to well she says she'll return if she gets there in time yeah if bellamy doesn't die yeah and she's like Um, I might be back, I might not. I get the feeling that she didn't go back, though. So, bye, Jade. Rip. I mean, Jade definitely... There's really two schools of thought for me here, which is, um, Jade, you freaking helped, like, Russell and Simone steal someone's body and put their crappy daughter in it. But on the other hand, if they've been brainwashed their entire lives and they literally don't know any different... This isn't, like, a thing where they're in a society where you can learn about other things. You literally can't. Yeah. So I I feel sorry for Jade, Mm -hmm. but I understand why Echo did it. Yeah. I like that Echo said, I swear on my mother's soul. I like that we're getting her family now. Yep. I like that's part of it now. I know some people hate Echo backstory. I'm here for it every day and twice on Sunday. Yeah. Sorry, twice on Tuesday. Ah, yes. A matinee. Mm, Good joke. Mm. Good joke. Toonie Tuesday. Mm. Raven? Yeah. Let's move on to what I call R&R. Thank you so much. Rest and relaxation. It's Raven and Riker. We're going to do the whole Raven and Riker storyline in one go because there's, like, nothing yeah. to it. So, Raven and Riker swap Technobabble and Sass. Riker guesses that Raven figured out that he's a body snatcher. Raven says that taking a body is murder. Riker says it's a sacrifice. I say it's coercion via brainwashing. Don't worry, though. Riker isn't into being worshipped. He didn't ask to be resurrected, but he was cool with going through eight bodies over 200 or so years. That high horse is not cute. Raven and Riker fight about the nature of humanity. Riker wants to be fake deep about honoring the people whose bodies he stole. Congrats on being less garbage than Josie, I guess. Amori interrupts their argument to send Raven out to fly Abby up to the mothership. Raven asks Riker if this is his last body, which it fully isn't. Still not sure what's going on with... What is this? What is this plotline? You mean, what is... What is the purpose of this? I think it's to get more information about the primes that were not being given by Josie. I mean, I have a theory that it's to make right to turn Riker onto our side. Yeah. It's just weird that it's Raven's plotline. Do you right. know what I mean? Well, Raven is a main character and it makes me feel like they maybe just didn't know what they were doing with her and they needed somebody to Yeah. and they're like he can be a mechanic. She likes mechanics and stuff. That is what it feels like. So, but I do like Riker. Obviously, 
I mean, to me, at least, he's the most likable prime because I obviously he knows, you know, he at least appreciates the people who sacrifice who themselves, sacrifice for, themselves him. for him. Yeah. He he mentions that he was just a kid when this happened, but I do have to say, so was Kaylee. And she doesn't seem to care. Yeah. But then again, maybe she did because they were trying to escape. That's true. Maybe she did. Maybe they all have secretly been uncomfortable with this the whole time, but yeah. have gone along with it because the benefits outweighed the cons. He's Riker the ninth, which is the highest number that we've gotten so far, I believe. Yeah. And okay, this is weird. Cool. Okay. I love weird things. But this is kind of where my brain went to. Like, my thoughts were, if Riker didn't want to be immortal and didn't want to have people sacrificing for him, what could he do to get them to stop? And my thought was, it's not up to him. If his person dies, they're just going to take his thing out and they're going to put it in somebody else. It's literally not up to him. You know, it's... it, it And... So I was like, how could he make them stop if he didn't want them to do it? And my thought was like, maybe at some point he woke up in a prime and just like offed himself and was like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be this person. That's why his number is higher. And they and somehow they convinced him to like continue going. But I feel like as if he had continued to just like keep offing his, his sacrifice, the people who each of his bodies, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, then they, they would eventually stop and be like, okay, listen, we don't have that many nightbloods or we don't have that many hosts. We can't be wasting these hosts on this guy who just doesn't care about them. You know what I mean? But that doesn't, that's not in line with what he was talking to Raven about, which is that he honors and respects every single body he's been in. Exactly. That's what makes me think it's, it's not really up to him that he gets, keep, keeps getting put in different bodies. But I wonder if at any point, because I think each family decides for themselves. I wonder if he, if he was ready to stop, if he could just say, please don't put me in a new one and they wouldn't do it again. Cause that's one extra body that one of the others can have. That's a sped up time frame. Mm-hmm. I think that if they wanted to retire, they could ask to. Yeah, that's interesting. There are a lot of variables now that are going through my head that I don't think have any real bearing on the actual story because we're literally just kind of making a lot of this up. Mm-hmm. But my next thought would then be that, like, he'd be like, Mom, like, please don't. And if they were like, no, we need you because we need, like, as many freaking gods as possible or whatever, then, but they wouldn't want to bring him back if he kept being like, guys, actually, maybe we shouldn't listen to these people. They kind of suck, you know? Like, they don't want somebody who's coming back and being A detractor. Like, exactly. They don't want somebody who's coming back and being like, maybe we shouldn't listen to this. So it's like, it's, there's a lot of different variables that I'm a little confused about, but if Riker doesn't want to keep getting sacrificed, then why is he still here? Which makes me think that he does. I think that he's okay with this as long as no one called him on it. As long as he feels good about continuing to yeah. to um, appreciate them and he everything. Can ease his, if he can ease his own guilt, yeah. then he's like, I, I, I can get through this. Yeah. Like, in order to keep living. Mm-hmm. That's gross, but I am interested to see what happens next because I do wonder if at any point he and Gabriel perhaps had a conversation. Well, he is, he's so interesting because all of the other primes that we've seen, I- including his mother, are all for it, you know? Yeah, they, they don't think have they're a problem. Deities. So he's interesting because he is not as interested in being this worshipped person, you know? Yeah. He didn't even come to, like, I think he went to Priya's, like, naming day. But or, he didn't sorry, come Delilah's to half day. of the, yeah, yeah. but he didn't come to, like, the apologizing thing that they no. all did, you know, because he, he just doesn't care. But this kind of reminds me of a note that I made later about um Josephine. Uh, my note was, it sucks when nobody has stakes. Like, um... 
for example, that was one of the um, complaints that I had a few for a few episodes in Riverdale was that it seemed like uh, it, this past season, season three, is that it seems like nobody really had any stakes. Mm-hmm. Stakes are important because that's how you know that things that's how things matter. Um, but what is really cool about this is that it's cool when everybody has stakes. Like, for example, Bellamy has major stakes. Um, Murphy has stakes because his, his stake is I need to do this so that I can be immortal. Yeah. You know, everybody has stakes, but it's cool when no, when everybody has stakes except for one person. Josie has no stakes. She's like, yeah, you want to kill my dad? Kill my dad. Yeah, she literally- I don't care. She has she, nothing to lose. Yeah. Except for her own immortality, but she she doesn't care about anyone else except for maybe her mom. So she's but interesting. She, she'd probably leave her dad, her mom to die too. Yeah. Um. When he said that he was Riker the ninth, or Raven said he was Riker the ninth, how old were you when you snatched this one? He said he was 206. So was he saying that he was 206 when he snatched that one yes. or that he is 206 now? No, I think that when he got put in that body, he was 206. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It's so hard to do math on this because you don't know how many years have been in between. You know, I that's mean, why it's hard. We've tried to do math, but then it looks like Dioza was more of an age. 80s baby but according to the show's established timeline that makes no sense yeah because she should be a millennial and that allegis left it in the 1970s but uh, then becca wouldn't be alive so it's yeah the the timeline's kind of a mess but but you know what that's okay because a lot of cool things are happening so i can excuse if there's not giant plot holes Mm-hmm. I will make it. peace with it. Yeah. Um, so he talks about Alejo, who was his second host, built the music box when he was 12. If he was his second host, then that means that he was one of the embryos? Probably. And he also says that his sixth host's name was Tymon Avery, and he get it was like a, what was it, a bracelet or something? Yeah, it was like a leather band or something. We didn't really get a good shot of it, which no, I was kind of disappointed by. Because at the first thing, I was like, is, is he pointing to a scar? Yeah, exactly. Um, but... It was from his mother, whose name was Annabelle, and he says that they celebrate his life together every month. But if that was his sixth host, and he is now the ninth, she dead, right? Like, what are you talking about? Oh, I thought he meant... Oh, that's a good point. It seemed like he was talking about Annabelle and him, but, uh, I don't know. Anyway, that was confusing. I thought they meant his current... That was for his current body, but no, you're right. No, his sixth... Yeah. His sixth person. Yeah, you're right. So, well, maybe he died a couple times in a row. Maybe. I think at one but point... They, but then they don't have enough, but they don't have enough hosts. But they could have at one point. I think there was a mass slaughter of, hosts? like, hosts when Gabriel decided to turn on everyone. Okay. And so everyone died very quickly, and they were kind of in the middle of a war for a while. Gotcha. But then he said that it's not his last body. Yeah. So, I don't know. Riker's interesting. He's really cool because he's different than every other host that we've gotten so far. So yeah. He's really cool. He's definitely a unique character. Yeah. Hey, before we go forward, I just want to congratulate Bob and Eliza on getting married. Oh, yeah. What the hell? Some people are like, we've been new, and I'm like, I have been the opposite of new. I would also like to congratulate them. Yeah, Ulti- ultimately, amazing. ultimately, like, congrats. It was just so out of left field. It was that shocking. I was like, what? I, I thought that um, someone had hacked their accounts. Oh, we, we both absolutely yeah. were just like, who is doing this to them? You're going to run them off of Twitter. Yeah. And then it turned out to be true. Yeah. Um, I actually put the tweet on the TV because I wanted to get Robin's reaction in like, like super HD. And then we both kind of looked at each other and realized that it was real. And I was like confused, but also very excited. Yeah. Yeah. That's like if, um, what's a really good way? Like, what's a good analogy to this? That's like if, y'all watch Stranger Things? That's like if David Harbour was like, David Harbour and Winona Ryder immediately, like, just announced they were married. Yeah. Not even just dating. 
They were just married. They're full on just married. Because we didn't even know Bob and Eliza were dating officially. Fully had A lot of people really, like, thought They suspected it. Suspected it. Um, but, but we didn't have a, like, for sure on that or anything. Yeah, that, uh, like, wasn't well, for us to yeah. speculate on because, like, we it's don't know anything life. about anything and it's their lives. But, yeah, uh, turns out that was correct and they're very happy and looks like they had a beautiful wedding. I mean... So, that's incredible. So, congrats. Um, I do have to say that I'm even still, to this day, kind of in shock about it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's still, a. Uh, not that it's my life and I'm not have a bad any... shock, just sort of just bewildered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like kind of just, um, just befuddled, really. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is freaking cool. I don't know what's going on, but it's cool. Yeah. Not, not, definitely not in a bad way, for sure. Oh, no. Definitely um, in a way to go, guys. I guess. Wow. I mean, my main thing is like, congratulations for keeping it a secret. There are people in this fandom who are heckin' nosy, including oh, yeah. myself. <laughs> I am also very nosy. Calls own self out. So the fact that nobody really knew about this, like, uh, and apparently they got married like last month too. Yeah, they. The fact um, that nobody knew, they did a good job of keeping us all in the dark. And well for that, kept secret. Yeah, I'm wow. proud of them. I'm very proud of them. Wow. I'm gonna be real with you. Yeah. So, so congratulations to Bob and Eliza. What the heck? Yeah. What the heck? What the heck? Yeah. It was. Um, <laughs> that's cool. I think mean, it's it's freaking like. What a fairy tale. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What a freaking fairy tale. Mm-hmm. So, congratulations, guys. You'll never hear this, but um, <laughs> it was cool anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Maddie! Maddie, 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 Go Maddie, Go ahead and just, like, do Maddie, the Maddie, whole... Maddie. Do that whole storyline, too. We might as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because all of these storylines are pretty little, we'll just, yeah, summarize them all. Maddie. Maddie is terrorized by Shadehead again. They have to do the separation ritual now without Clark. Gaia consults Titus's Book of Wisdom and tells Maddie that there's a dream space in the flame where she can confront Shadehead with the other commanders. She needs a good memory to keep her safe in case something goes wrong because this is actually Hook. You know, yeah. think happy thoughts. Any happy little thought? Yeah. Any happy thought? Think happy. My favorite thing from Hook, this is such a diversion, but when they hold up a sign, like, cheering Peter on, and it says, think happy thoughts, and mm-hmm. thoughts is spelled T-H-A-W-T-S. Mm-hmm. Makes my heart warm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, they speak a sacred phrase, and Maddie goes under to confront Shade Hedda. She appears in a room full of candles, which has big Lexa energy. Yeah. The other commanders aren't there to help her fight Shade Hedda. He says that Gaia knows nothing, just like his teacher knew nothing. He tried to hold Shade Hedda back and tried to control him. Shade Hedda was forced to conform and was kept in chains, so he rose up and killed his Seda. Maddie should totally do the same thing to Gaia before Gaia kills her. Boy, What? Yeah. Maddie rejects him. She immediately wakes up in chains, so that's actually not going well for Gaia already. Maddie wants Clark, but Clark isn't there. Sorry, kid. So, originally I thought that what Gaia was looking at was Becca's journal, because she said that Raven had it from season four, and I was like, oh, that makes sense, because Raven was in Becca's lab. But then it turns out it's actually Titus's book? So why did Raven have it? So how did Raven get it? Did Titus give Murphy a Flamekeeper book? Did he give it to Clark? How did Raven get it? Maybe this does make sense and we're just not remembering. So if you guys remember, please let us know. I'm just a little confused about how th- what about how this book got into Gaia's hands. I mean, my Raven. theory is that at some point Raven wound up with a lot of that literature just right. to be able to figure out the flame in the first place. Because yeah. she did have 
the book to try and figure out Ashende Superior. Yes. So I'm wondering if that was maybe right. maybe Titus's book, and she just yes. kept it. Yes, that was season three. three. Yeah, that was during the um that horror episode when Sinclair was still around. Yes, which is still where we are for the hundred script. But I am lazy. If yes. you guys care about the hundred script, I mean, I have like six thousand followers over there, and I just don't do anything. I'm just so busy. Anyway, mm, she's really busy. Anyway. Actually, she is kind of actually. I am actually. Busy. I'm busy. So. Um, technically, we work six days a week. Yeah. So. Cool. Patronus memory or flying in Peter Pan? Oh, we had the same thought. That's so nice for us. Think of a wonderful thought. What? Oh, that should have been our fun fact. We're so stupid. What's our wonderful thought? What What would be the thing that you would go to that made you happiest? This is a loaded question. Cool. Okay. So maybe for... If, if this is relevant again, then we have a fun fact. Good. Okay. Where are the other commanders? Yes, my next note is why is he the only one there? Did he drive them all out? It's hard to figure out because it's like, oh, well, he's the most powerful is like the the place where my brain first goes to. And then I'm just like, but if all the command, like more powerful than Becca? I doubt it. More powerful than Lexa? Maybe. I mean, I doubt it though. Like it's Lexa. So I don't know why he's the only one there. I accidentally turned on Alexa. Oh. I I wonder if it's because Maddie couldn't summon them. Maybe. Like maybe she didn't have the skills to summon them. Because she was supposed to meet them in that area, but if she couldn't call them to her and she was vulnerable to Shade Hedda, Shade Hedda could have easily slipped in and kept the others out. Well, we know that she's gotten information from Lexa before, so that's why it's like, shouldn't Lexa be able to come through? I mean, obviously, you know, Alicia is not available, so they can't have Alicia, you know, on the, in the back, in the background side of it, Mm -hmm. but like narratively if she already knows knows lexa then she should be extra like lexa should be able to come through or any of them really and they don't even have to show their faces like they could always be cloaked right but i started to think that perhaps something about the planet is interfering with the flame Mm -hmm. and because i i'm having to tie this plotline to the others because as it stands this has nothing to do with the rest of the show Right. The show has moved on to body snatching and time travel Mm -hmm. and stuff. And then we're still kind of stuck in what do we do with the flame? And of course, the flame is tied to the mind drives. But so far, we haven't seen any further connections with that. Mm -hmm. So I can't wait until all of these plot lines are unified and we figure out like what it's supposed to mean. Because I'm sure they will be. Yes. Just because like the flame technology and that's not to rag on the flame storyline, by by the way. I love the flame storyline. Yeah. I know people don't like it. I don't agree. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. I loved it, especially last season. Heck yeah. So cool. Yeah. Like I love the idea that like Maddie's brain essentially hosts multiple people that she can call on. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that it's interesting that there's literally a battle for good and evil going on in her head. And so far, evil is winning. She's very much Luke Skywalker. Mm. You know, like, Maddie is very much a Luke Skywalker. And literally, this Emperor Palpatine. But he doesn't have, like... Or, sorry, Maddie... Maddie's sort of guiding light, which is Clark, isn't there. So, of course, she's giving in to the dark side. And Gaia, I don't know if... It feels like Gaia did figure out that it isn't Clark anymore. And she just doesn't want to say that in front of Maddie. So, like... You know, when Clark's being all weird, like, last episode, and then Clark was being all weird this episode, and then she's like, yeah, Clark just isn't here. I don't think Gaia figured it out. Because Gaia doesn't know about the body snatching. Well, that's, like... I think Gaia just just doesn't respect Clark right now. She doesn't know about the body snatching. She was there. In the meeting? No, not in the meeting, but she was there, like, with Jordan and everything, like, last episode, and finding out about it. If she suspected that Clark wasn't there, she should have said something to someone. To someone. 
Yeah. yeah, that's fair. So, and I think Gaia, as... I just feel like if Gaia thought that it was Clark, even though Clark was acting weird, she would want Clark there for the the separation ritual. Unless she didn't put the puzzle pieces together, and right now she's just not trusting Clark. Yeah. And she's like, hey, right now you're being a bad parent. And Josie's like... Yeah, it's because I don't care, bro. Yeah, so. Okay, so there's a lot of um, talk about Shade had a teacher. Because clearly he, I think he uses male pronouns when he, yes, he does. talks about him. His teacher and Lexa, to, to, to be clear, Lexa's. We have to say L-E-X-A in a specific way because otherwise our Amazon blank turns on yeah so so that person's teacher was titus that right? cool commander yeah yeah hers was titus maddie's is gaia shade Hedda's was blank yeah she had a, I, uh, her seda yes yes i am seeing a lot of talk about it potentially being cadigan which i think is really interesting mm-hmm. i like him coming back because we didn't get enough answers about him if it's not cadigan it's definitely someone important that we potentially know because mm-hmm. he was when he was speaking about him, he was very, like, they were definitely highlighting him, you know, mm-hmm. like, highlighting this, his teacher as somebody that we might know. So I hope that it yeah. comes back. And it makes sense if it's Cadigan, because, of course, we saw in the bunker that a lot of Cadigan's stuff was the formation of Grounder Society. Right. With each of the different clans. So I think it's fair to guess mm-hmm. That it's Cadigan, and that Cadigan probably murdered Becca. Yeah. And then forced the flame on someone. Mm-hmm. It, if Cadigan had a child, that would be poetic. Right. But at any point, whoever he forced it on clearly rose up and killed Cadigan. So the question is, whoever came after... Like, do you think that this Shade Hedda is the person who was responsible for the breaking of the clans and everyone not being able to unite until Lexa came along? I would not be surprised. Yeah. That would definitely give us more insight into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also thought it was interesting that he, his his use of the word first, because he says that uh, Cadigan, if, if if that's what we, Just we think it guessing, is, yeah. um, was his first teacher. So that means he had more than one. Oh, that's a good point. He had a different Seda after. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder who it would be after that. Yeah. And whether or not we'll ever get to know that. For me, part of this storyline, I was talking to Claire from Meditation about this the other day, and some of what's going on this season, I would be content with being carried over into next season, and maybe we don't get all the answers this season. Yeah. I think the immediate stuff is, like, the body snatching and, like, that cool stuff, like the Clark stuff, and, mm-hmm. of course, the Kane stuff, and you know, the cogs and stuff, some of it doesn't have to be wrapped up this season. Like, what Murphy saw. Yeah. I can stand to wait to see what Murphy saw Mm -hmm. next season if we're going to continue on with those mind drives and stuff. Sure. This, to me, feels like a longer plot line that I want to see stretched out just because I don't want it to be all rushed and squished at the end. Mm -hmm. And that does tend to happen with this show. Sure. So... I have another question. Is... Is Gaia being very stern because it's from Maddie's perspective? Or, like, it kind of feels like, like, after, when, like, when she wakes up and she's restrained and everything, and, and Gaia's being, like, more stern with her. This is after she's been spoken to by Shade Hedda. So, either Gaia is like, I know what I'm doing, and I'm being stern with you, or, like, my original thought was that maybe it's being colored by what Shade Hedda said. In my mind, Gaia was being stern because Gaia was afraid. Yeah. And she thought that being stern would shore Maddie up mm-hmm. and show her that 
if Shade Hedda is trying to take over, that Gaia is strong and will fight it. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, you know, Maddie wakes up in chains after literally being told that Shade Hedda was chained up. So all of this stuff is magnified in her brain, but I don't think the scene is from Maddie's perspective. Okay. But I do think that Gaia knows what's going on in Maddie's head. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she was quite stern, and I think that's a victim of we need to get to a certain place in the plot, so we need Gaia to act a way that maybe isn't natural. Right. Because we need a reason for Maddie to banish her. Yeah. And to me, that's why I wrote down here that this is the weakest plot. Mm. Um, just like Jordan was the weakest plot, I think now... You are the weakest plot! Yeah! Goodbye. Now I think the Gaia of it all is the most clumsy. Yeah. Because they needed to get to a destination, so they had the destination in mind, and then they didn't really develop the middle. Sure. In my opinion. Murphy me? Murphy me! Alright, Murphy gets thrown in fancy jail with Bellamy. Don't worry, though, only one of them is faking it. Mm. He technically tells the truth when he says that he figured out that Clark is dead. He tries to cut Bellamy- F Yeah, but figured out. You yeah, were he, basically he was, told, He was sir. led- Like, she shoved his nose in it and yeah. said, Hey, I'm not Clark! Yeah. But you know what? He was telling the truth. Yeah. He tries to cut Bellamy free and tells him that Josie offered him a deal. They don't avenge Clark and they'll help Earth Crew build a compound. He lies and says he didn't take the deal because he must avenge Clark. Sure, Dan. Bellamy tells Murphy that Clark cared about all of them and that they should kill everyone in Sanctum and just take their land instead. Ah, land wars. Where is Blood Reino when you need her? So Murphy and me are still chilling in fancy jail. Bellamy wants Murphy to save his energy for the genocide they're about to commit. Murphy says Clark wouldn't want them to risk their lives for revenge, which is correct. Bellamy figures out that Murphy is a spy and Murphy admits he's actually there to convince Bellamy to take the deal. He may be there to save himself, but he's also there to save Bellamy because they love each other. If they don't fight back, they can have everything they want. Bellamy isn't into it. Josie will kill Bellamy if he doesn't agree to the deal. Bellamy wants war, which Murphy thinks Clark and Monty wouldn't have wanted. Bellamy tells him that Monty would be ashamed of Murphy, but even Murphy isn't so sure about that. Bellamy kicks Murphy out. Murphy promises to make sure Josie doesn't kill anyone but Bellamy. This shit hurted. All of this hurted. Do you want to tell me some thoughts now? I'm nervous to talk about this storyline, to be honest. Why? I feel like this storyline was, uh, like, uh, this, these scenes in particular were, like, the epitome slash the pinnacle of, like, all the things that Robin likes, mm -hmm. and everyone knows that. Like, Murphy's in it. It's about Murphy. They even talk about Monty in it. So I'm nervous that I'm not going to do this scene justice in talking about mm -hmm. it because I know that everyone is probably expecting me to, to have a lot of thoughts on it. Oh boy! So that, I'm a little nervous about it to be honest, but one thing I do have to say about it is that I think a lot of it speaks for itself, but I look forward to talking about the things that we end up talking about, I guess. Mm -hmm. For me, I think the thing that stands out the most to me is how authentically Murphy this is. Mm -hmm where he actually does have a quite virtuous goal, which is we can avoid bloodshed and avoid anyone dying because Clark's already gone. But what if no one else dies? And also I get to be immortal. Yeah. Freaking win-win. Mm -hmm. That is hashtag that's so Murphy. Yeah. But I I've definitely seen criticisms of, oh, well, Murphy's progress has been erased. Murphy's character has been erased, to which I say, um, no. Uh, yeah, I don't see that. This Murphy is always going to be someone that you want better of, but is going to slide backward before he crawls forward. Yeah, yeah. That's just who he is. Mm -hmm. So if he does something a little bit shady, that's not shocking. No. It's Murphy. He's, as far as he's come, there are certain things that, certain behaviors that he will always fall back on before he figures out that he needs to stop. Yeah. And so for me, that 
self-preservation instinct is just an intrinsic part of who Murphy is. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not a self-sacrificial dude. He's not going to wage a war for Clark Griffin. Mm -mm. That's just, that's nuts to him. Yeah, I I also agree that it's like, it's a win-win for him because not only is he like, cool, I get what I want, but also nobody else gets hurt. Mm -hmm. Like, hello? In his mind, that's actually like, progress yeah like when probably when josephine came up to him like after he was like oh my god clark's dead he was like oh so you're literally offering me a way to save my family Mm -hmm. let's do it i mean when murphy says i did this to save you bellamy Mm -hmm. i believe him yeah every part of me believes that murphy thought he was doing the right thing with a slight agenda on the side for, yeah. hey, yeah. this benefits Murphy. Yeah. One of the things that I really liked at the beginning of this, uh, like, these scenes with those two in this room was when he's like, here is the offer that I was given. And Bellamy says, well, what did you say? And Murphy says, what do you think I said? And I think, I, I don't, I think Murphy knows what Bellamy wants to hear him say. Yep. But I think this is a test. I don't think that what exactly he's saying is, what do you think I said? I think what he's saying is, what do you want me to have said? Yeah. And so he's getting, like, even if he's just, like, reading Bellamy's face, making sure that nothing has changed, like, he still knows the Bellamy who he thinks he knows. Yeah. So that he's able to continue on with the script he's prepared, you know? Yeah, he's it's constantly changing and adapting his prepared talking points based on what Bellamy does. And that's, that's so Murphy. Yeah. Bellamy brings up that Clark cared about Murphy, and I think that's true. Yes, I think in her own way she did. Does Clark talk about how much she cares about Murphy to Bellamy? She must have. Or maybe Bellamy could just tell? I I mean, I remember when she was like, I'm gonna go see the Murphy show at the beginning of the season, you know? I feel like it's just, like, I feel like it's a part of Clark that she cares about everyone she meets. Right. You know? And that's part of her soul is she kind of, Clark kind of has a bleeding heart. Mm Mm-hmm. And so... If, if she accepts you into her group, she'll fight and die for you. Murphy can't lie to Bellamy for long, though. No. He doesn't last very long. Yo, Bellamy clocked him. him probably within 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, Murphy, you're slipping. And he's bringing up, like, what did you see when you died? And it's like, that's the big question, right? Yeah. That's the reason why we really do know that Be- that Murphy legit wants this. And I think it indicates that Bellamy knows that Murphy wouldn't do this unless Murphy was scared of something. I have a question, Brittany. Yeah. After you've died and before you come back, where you go? Like, where do I believe you go? No, but I mean, like, no, like, in the in the show, if he sees hell when he actually, like, died, in between when, you're per- when your last body dies and you get brought back into another body, where are you? Are you just hanging out in the chip? Yeah, yeah. You got, like, a little out. sanctuary in there? Yeah. Sounds nice. If I was Riker, I'd be like, I'm chilling in there. Please don't erase me. <laughs> that's the epitome of being on ice but you don't have consciousness right like because i mean we have evidence of that because everyone wakes up screaming right 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 yeah they have no concept of the fact that they've been on ice and yet we see josephine inside of her own brain with clark i think because of what clark's body is Mm -hmm. and the fact that she's a manufactured nightblood right that'll play a lot of that'll play a huge role in how the science of that works well, my original thought was that, like, Clark is the first one that has ever tried to fight back and didn't want to become a prime. But then I remembered no. we just saw Brooke. Exactly. Last episode. So it's like, yeah, it's interesting. What is different about Clark that she's still in there? And it's and, that she's not a real nightblood. And does that 
ever happen in which like is that usually how it is and then they like go into their minds when they dream or whatever and they're like hey are you good in there and that's why delilah's like yeah i'm good tell jordan i'm chill you know maybe who knows i doubt it but maybe yeah you never know yeah oh my next note is just body language yeah bob and richard like got in each other's faces in this scene and i was like okay 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 i'm fine with this to quote our friend sam Cool. Who tweeted something like, I don't know what the exact words were, but something like, uh, John Murphy is in love with Bellamy Blake and you can't change my mind. And I don't want to because uh, I think it's true. Yeah, I live for that. I love that. I, yeah, I can't disprove it. Yeah. You know? But John is dating Amori. Doesn't mean he can't love Bellamy. He can love two people at once. Yeah. And like, even if like, I mean, we have our Murphy me tin hats on. Yeah. But if we take those off, even at the core of it, of course, Murphy loves Bellamy because Bellamy believes in Murphy, and so yeah. few people do. Mur- I think Murphy loves Bellamy can- canonically yeah. in the same way that Murphy loves Abby. Right. You know, like, I'll betray you, but I don't want you to be hurt. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I actually have a question, like a logistical question in here, which is that um, the deal is that if they don't do anything, they'll help them build the compound. Right. They were already doing that? Like, Riker was showing them how to build the shield. Right. So is it just that they won't stop? Because that's kind of a crappy deal. Yeah. I think it's, like, that we will let you, yeah, like, let you continue to build the compound, I guess. Mm, I don't know. But I'm not done with the body language thing. Oh, okay, all right. Because we noticed, like, there's a lot of stuff in there. But basically, like, what the best part is that Bellamy takes a step away from Murphy, Mm -hmm. and then Murphy takes a step forward. First of all, they're really close to each other, and Bellamy's like, I don't trust you, so he takes a step back, and then Murphy takes a step forward. Richard knows what he's doing. Yeah. Not only if this was, like, the director's choice or whatever, Rick knows what he's doing, and so he's gonna, like, and, and not only is it, like... I don't know. It's just interesting the way, and, but Murphy is very, like, he's, he's very, like, slouchy the way, in the way that he moves and everything. He, Murphy moves with the same cocky arrogance that season one Bellamy does, which Mm. is the shoulders are back, his hips are sort of angled forward, and it's just sort of like, sort of like a slouch, but not, where it's just sort of like, I am, I am laid back because I believe in what I'm presenting you. Right. You know? Yeah. So he's very... He's in Bellamy's face without being in Bellamy's face. Right. And so if you have your tin hat on, like we do, it's like, what's going on with this hips first business? But if you don't have your tin hat on, you can be like, okay, so I mean, that's how Murphy walks. Yeah, there's a confidence Or that's how Murphy walks. Well, it really is how Murphy walks, though, because that's exactly how Bellamy walked in season one. Kane even walks that way from time to time when he's really feeling himself. Yeah. So... I, it's a fascinating, like, body language tick that those actors employ. Yeah. Love it. A Murphy me. <laughs> uh, once again, if you want a Murphy me playlist, it's in the description. I made it for you. So I have a question for you. Okay. Would Monty be ashamed? I, that is a really great question. Thank because you. I do feel like both Bellamy and Murphy have a point here. Mm-hmm. So obviously Bellamy's point is that Monty would want us to do better. He would want us to be good. And obviously the way that this is happening, the way we're just allowing these murders to continue, that's not what Monty would want. Correct. And Murphy is saying, but what Monty really wanted for us was for us to live and survive in the best way that we possibly could. And this is literally the only way. Like Monty brought us to this planet. He planets a moon. But like Monty is the reason that we got here. He's the reason why we are he's he escorted us to this place. He delivered them. He delivered us to this place. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't want us to come down here and immediately get killed after all of that work yeah. that he put in and after all of the um hopes that he has for us. Mm-hmm. So it's 
I can't choose a side at this point. I don't know how Monty would feel because he's not here. Mm-hmm. If anybody would actually... The closest thing that I can think of to what Monty would want, honestly, is we gotta look at Jordan, who was yeah. um, raised by Monty, and Jordan is completely against it. Does he have some bias in the fact that Delilah was part of it and, like, his chunky storyline with Delilah? Yes. But ultimately, Jordan is, like, a moral, a high-morality guy mm-hmm. who is completely against this, but he is not Monty, so I still am not sure exactly how Monty would feel, once again, because he is not here. I think... For Monty, the secret third option would be for everyone to be in the know. Mm. So, like, for everyone, including the Primes and the whole population, to know that Clark's body was taken and that Josephine is in it. And that they have to work up for themselves what they all want to do. Mm -hmm. And democratically, everyone has to decide, what are we going to do with the people in space? Yeah. Where is everyone going to go? What do you as people want to do about the situation you've been put in? Right. And I think, like, if the most peaceful way is for everyone to talk about it, he would want that. Yeah. And that's my theory. Yes. Um, I do, I would be remiss if I did not mention that, once again, there is no mention of Harper which is disappointing to me. Yeah. I know that she doesn't really have a place in this because they are talking about Monty, but, and and I understand that it would kind of be weird if Car- Harper had been brought up in there because it was supposed to be like a succinct Monty thing, mm-hmm. but I would love for Harper to be brought up at least once other than uh, just at the beginning there. But I always love bringing up the six years that they spent in space. And we had been, um, we've been re-watching Lost, we've been re-watching Lost and watching Lost with our friend Emily for the first time, um, and she always comes over here to our apartment to watch the finales, and I'm always reminded of this three-year time jump that happens in Lost, but thank goodness, and you know I'm a hoe for a flashback, mm-hmm. and the reason is because I love Lost so much, and they do a flashback so, so, so well, but it's okay because whether it be a flashback or a different kind of flash, we get everything that happens not necessarily everything, but we get the gist most, of almost everything that happens that's important in those three years. Yeah. We get we get what happens on the island in the three years. We get what happens off the island in the three years. We get everything that we need to know about those three years. So it doesn't even feel like there's been a time jump. Exactly. Because we already, because we've seen everything that happens. It keeps both timelines fresh in your brain. I, I, I love the fact that they keep bringing up and slash um, telling us about slash referencing even or like even if it's just just tiny like alluding to those six years Mm -hmm. I love that I still to this day wish we could get more um but that's what fan fiction is for I guess yeah but I do a lot of thinking about those six years and so them talking about Monty like that it means a lot to us but it means even more to them it means more to them than it does to us exactly um, because they lived with Monty and Monty was part of their family. Yeah. And I mean, Echo, like, called them family earlier. Yeah. I think the last thing I had about this was just that Bellamy is restrained and Murphy is not. And this is just, like, in season four, like, in the bunker. When Bellamy was restrained because he's like, I have to go out and get Octavia. And Murphy was the one who was in there <gasps> with him. That's right. So that was a parallel to that. Uh, yeah. All of that is a lot. I thought that went well. I did. Great. I knew that you'd do well once you got in it. <laughs> I knew you'd be fine. Yeah. Josie and Abby. Abby gets some sun and Josie takes the opportunity to manipulate the hell out of her. She calls saving Kane the Kane problem, which offends Abby greatly. There's no progress on that front, though. 
Josie tells Abby that the Primes have a way to save Kane. Abby just has to turn him into a Nightblood. Easy peasy. Josie wages some intense psychological warfare to convince Abby that putting Kane into a new body is just like all the other questionable choices they've made. Abby points out that they made those choices to save the human race, not just one person. Josie tells Abby that people volunteer and that they could bring back all of the Primes at once. Wouldn't that be dope? Abby is like, hey, you are literally acting the opposite of how you normally would. What up with that? Josie pulls out one of the big guns and says that Kane should be there because he's good and they need him to save all of them. Abby wants to know why they need saving. Josie, you're going to need saving when Mama Griffin is through with you. Hmm. Josie then pulls out the biggest gun and brings up Jake, her addiction, and Kane all in one go. Abby kind of smiles weirdly and hugs Josie, who is super excited that she succeeded and convinced Abby to turn them all into Nightblood. Or did she? Hmm. I, the, the dance that's going on in this scene is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Because, like, every time she says something and Abby's like, that was weird. She says, that's not what I meant. Or, that doesn't sound like you. And then she says, I know. You know, because it's, it's so interesting the, because. Josie's blowing it. It's, I know. But, like, but then she kind of fixes it weirdly because she's like if that she's good at excuses yeah she says that doesn't sound like you and she says i know yeah and it's like but you didn't know yeah you didn't know that that you didn't sound like you she had to be course corrected and then she's like oh i have to adjust my approach again it's called the miracle of sanctum okay that's what it's called i have a question how could murphy know about now we get our humanity back that was my uh question as well i was like how the hell is josie Wasn't wasn't that a cabbie thing yes that's the cab that's the thing that they say to each other yeah to justify the things that they've done. And then it's also the thing that they say to each other to remind each other, no, this is a bull excuse that we've been using in order to make ourselves feel better, but we have to be better than this. Yeah. And I think Murphy, Murphy was there actually when Abby said that. Okay. In the opening of season six. And Murphy's like, I remember people's quotes. Yeah. I am observant. Because that pissed Raven off, remember? She was like, some of us never lost it. Right. And I guess that stuck with Murphy. I guess. The thing that I'm interested in is Abby, her reaction to Josie pulling out the big guns is not what I would expect of Abby. I mean, I'm not Abby, but if it was me, I'd be like, hey, um, frick you. Thanks for bringing up every single thing that's, uh, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Now I'm sad and mad. So. Yeah. You suck. Yeah. Cause it's like, if it's somebody who is talking to you, who you know, knows that all of these things eat you up inside mm-hmm. and they keep bringing it up. I'd be like, um, you suck. Why are you so rude? Especially That's because so mean? Clark and Abby have really worked towards forgiving each other for those things. Yeah. Like the whole point of Clark and Abby's conflict in season one was learning to forgive each other and Clark, even in season two, Clark learning to forgive Abby for what happened to Jake. Yes. Because at the end of the day, as Abby said, she did what she did because it was the thing that she thought was going to keep the Ark alive and she knew was going to keep Clark alive. Yes. And she was wrong. But, so like, why would Clark bring that up now? You know? It's like, all of a sudden, she's just ripping that wound back open and Abby's like, already just an open wound in the first place. Yeah. And Clark is just going at it and going at it and then she brings up the cane thing and then she brings up addiction and Abby's like, why are you reading me a laundry list of everything I've ever done? Yeah. And her response to that is not to break down in tears, which I think Abby would usually do. Like, you're used to seeing when Abby's upset, like, her little face crumples and she cries. She doesn't do that. Yeah. She's got, like, a a little bit of tears, but it's mostly just sort of like a cold, like, sort of like a detached okay. Yeah. And then when she hugs Clark, she touches the back of her neck. Oh. So, 
And she doesn't close her eyes when she hugs her. Her eyes are wide open. So you think she's going up there to like, to wake up Indra. Yes. That's exactly what I think. She's going up there to wake up Indra. I think she has suspicions and I think she took Raven for a reason. Right. Because first of all, she needs her to get up there. Um, but also that's another thing that we haven't seen from the trailer yet. We haven't seen Indra mm-hmm. and we also haven't seen like science time on Maddie. Cause yep. like there's a lot of like, yeah, spooky stuff that happened that happens to Maddie yeah. in the trailer. There was also this preview that was posted on the 100 Twitter account that showed a new shot of Kane awake. Gotcha. So something is going down in these last couple episodes that wakes up the army, wakes up Kane, starts a war. Do you think that Maddie, that science time on Maddie is a flashback that Shade Hedda is giving her. To Possibly. Make, to remind, to show her what garbage she's been through. Possibly, yeah. Ooh. Or it's Josie using, because it could be that Abby is going up to create Nightblood. Yeah. But she's not. So okay. Josie's like, what the hell? I'm taking the only Nightblood down here and I'm going to do this my damn self. Right. So I think that there's some sort of betrayal coming up. I think that the way Abby reacted is not the way Paige usually acts as Abby around Clark. And that makes me think that something is going down and that she also took Raven to protect Raven. Right. Because I think she, she owes Raven a lot. So yeah, I definitely think a lot of different things are about to happen and I am concerned about it, but I do think Kane is going to be turned into a Nightblood at some point. Okay. But yeah, there's a lot going on right now. Okay. What's tea- what's going to happen with Kane? So, so if they do this thing that that we are that they are trying to do, in which they take Kane and they put him in a different So they have to turn Kane into a Nightblood. Yep. Put this into Kane's body. Yep. Download Kane's mind. Yep. Take it back out of Kane, which I assume kills Ian, the Henry Ian Cusick version of Kane. I guess so. Put it into different Kane. Yep. But who is this new person? Do they make somebody else a Nightblood as well? Yeah, I think someone's gonna volunteer. This this is where this theory falls apart. Is mm-hmm. someone has to volunteer to host Kane. Yeah. And Abby has to get a hold of that tree sap in order right. to save Kane to wake him up because at some point right. he's awake. Yeah. And we we saw it in that trailer. So putting the pieces together at some point, Mark. Marcus Kane is not going to be his own body, but his body is going to be alive. If I can make a theory that doesn't really have much of a basis, Mm -hmm. if I were to guess at anybody who was going to volunteer to help Kane, it wouldn't be anybody down in Sanctum. Because if I was down in Sanctum and I've been brainwashed to only care about the primes, I'd be like, who are you even? I only want to, if I was going to be anybody, I want to be a prime Mm -hmm. that I actually like deify, right? So my thought is maybe it was somebody in Sky Crew who is already awake because all of Sky Crew is awake Ooh. already. And maybe they, like, I mean, maybe, like, Kane saved their life in the pit or something about the culling or something, whatever. Yeah, and that's they, the reason they why wanted to follow Kane or something. Willing to volunteer to sacrifice themselves for Kane. I don't know. Interesting. We shall freaking see. We shall. I'm excited. See. Simone objects to erasing the Lee family because they've been undead for like 200 years together, bro. But Josie needs those mind drives, mom. Abby will manufacture Nightblood if they bring her lover back, which was a very upsetting way to word that. Mm-hmm. Josie came to Are you Sim- upset about the new Taylor Swift album title? Yeah. I hate that word. Josie came to Simone and not Russell because Simone is more practical than Russell. If they have Nightblood, they can live forever. Plus, everyone being Nightbloods will eliminate nulls and oblation. Simone agrees and they erase the Lees forever. Yeah. My first note here is, her name was Kaylee Lee? Kaylee Lee. That's not nice. It makes sense as to why Josephine called her Lee Lee. I assume that was just because her name was Kaylee. So you could just call her Lily, but I guess her name is literally Kaylee Lee. Not the best naming choice. Yeah, um, 
at Kaylee's parents. What are you doing? Faye and Daniel. Yeah, at Faye and Daniel. Why would you do that to your child? But I really loved that, like, the picture that we were given, when I, like, went through it and I picked out who was who, mm-hmm. the last name of Lee tracks with who I thought they were in the picture. Yeah. So I'm pleased with that. Also, there's just, there's a lot to glean from these characters who we will never see again. Yeah. In this, in this, uh... They're all, they're dead now. Because they're dead. They're gone. They're for real dead. You must really, really hate your best friend to not only kill her and be like, okay, now we're even, but also be like, also, I never want to see you again. Yeah, like you're, you're dead dead. If Josie were to have stakes, these are her stakes. Mm-hmm. And she still does not care. I, I don't think Josie has any sort of moral compass. Now knowing that you can erase primes like this makes me feel like maybe if we were to get rid of the big bad of the season, somebody's going to take Josie out of Clark and erase her. That would be great. That would be a very satisfying finale. Yeah. Just pressing that down in there. It's not a lever, but we'll take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you know what I forgot to bring up? Can we go back to Abby? Yeah. Quick? I got an email while we were recording like um, an hour ago yeah. from Katie who had an email for us and she said, Abby's reactions slash face and you kind of brought this up when talking to Clark about making Nightblood seemed odd to me it's almost as if something clicked and Abby realized something was off about Clark very subtle but it was there or am I just reading too much into a wonderfully nuanced performance by Paige Turco any thoughts um I think that you are reading correctly into it Katie and I love you because I think that is correct yeah and we are on the same team. And if we're wrong, we're both clowns. Yeah. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so the Lees are number four, five, six, and seven. Mm-hmm. Except they put them in order of five, seven, six, and I want to die. Y'all have no concept of how upset Robin was when they did that. She stopped the episode in, like, one of the most important and interesting scenes to bitch about the Roman numerals being out of order. And I was like, boy... Five, seven, six. But you're valid. That's fair. Disappointing for me. But what's interesting is on the screen, we get, first of all, Kaylee the seventh, which we knew, Faye the seventh. So the two women are the seventh. Mm -hmm. And it seems like everybody is the seventh. Obviously, seven is a very important number in the world in sci-fi. Yes. But what interests me is when it's not seven. So like, for example, Riker the ninth is Mm -hmm. really interesting. But Victor, Kaylee's brother, was Victor the eighth. And Danny, which interesting that they he was call in it, the computer as Danny instead yeah, of they Daniel. Call, they call him Daniel in six oh one one. Nope. Two. Two. But they call him, but he's in the computer as Danny, which is interesting. But he's Danny the sixth. And I think that's the lowest number that we've Mm -hmm. seen so far. So that is interesting. Other than Gabriel. Other than Gabriel, who, who, who knows what number he's at at this point. Who knows how old Xavier is. Zabriel is. Zabriel. But yeah. So Danny is interesting. I don't know what we can glean from this. I just find it so interesting when they're not seven. Yeah. Because something happened and I just don't know what it is. Yeah. But yeah, she says, no more nulls, no ablation. And we kind of talked about that. Um, and my, my note was, so there are actual squibs? Yeah, they're, I guess they're born pretty frequently. Yeah, because like when he was saying it in the other storyline, he was saying they'll call her a null, they'll do the da-da-da. I thought that was like a figure of speech the way that he was speaking, they'll call her no, a null. No, that's a, that's a true title. But this episode, or sorry, this scene tells us that that's an actual like word that they use for those people. So it does make me wonder if the gnolls are literally everyone who doesn't have night blood but if the gnolls are banned from reproducing where do the new night night bloods come from yeah and i i just i want to see a null then show me one so that i know what i'm looking i think it's most of sanctum i think they're all gnolls so jade well then what makes blyvan and cookie man so special that they are not gnolls 
Well, I... Blythean and Cookie Man is my big ship. Blythean and Cookie Man. B-A-N-C-M. <laughs> Doesn't rhyme anymore. Back'em. Back'em. I'm trying, but I don't know. Hmm. I don't have a theory right now. I want to. I want them to show us an actual null. It's a, so I know what I'm talking about. It's literally a mark of how good this season is that I am so impatient to find out all of the mysteries. I'm like, yeah. what's a null? What's going on? What's oblation? What's with the offering go? What's going on? Yeah. Like, this season is so good. It's so good. This is good sci-fi. Okay. Bellamy watches the dropship take off. Josie interrupts to propose they help each other through the situation, but really she's just there to kill Bellamy. Murphy taps on her to her dad, though. What a good little cockroach. Russell is disgusted at Josie's lack of empathy for Bellamy's loss. He says that he didn't think stealing Clark's body through, but he was desperate. Murphy thinks he's worth listening to. They can trust Russell. Russell tells he'll guarantee safety for everyone. Murphy tells him that Abby agreed to make Nightblood for them, to which Bellamy tells them that the only way to stop Abby from going harder than he would ever would is to kill her, too. We stand a man who respects Abby Griffin. Murphy really doesn't want everyone to die. Josie cuts Bellamy free, and Bellamy Im immediately tries to choke Russell to death, because, as Josie says, violence is all that Earth crew knows. If Bellamy kills Russell, that's the end of the violence. Russell's death will pay for Clark's. Bellamy ends up letting him live, and Murphy gets his mind drives. What a complex and loaded scene. Sure was. Um, I have to say that I do believe that we can trust Russell. And one of the things, yes. and the reason why I think that is because Josie even says this episode, the reason why she didn't go to Russell was because he wouldn't approve. Right? And like, I don't approve either. Yeah. So if even his daughter who is in on all of this prime stuff doesn't trust him with doing bad things, I think we can trust him. Mm -hmm. Another thing is it's just like, it seems like all of the primes seem to die pretty young. Mm -hmm. And Russell is not 21. Yeah. It seems like he has made it pretty far. He's seen some stuff. Which tells me that he is not as reckless, even though he is Russell the seventh. Like, it'd be interesting if he was, like, Russell the fifth. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. Then you would know that he has, that he makes it to an older age every time, mm -hmm. which means he's less reckless and he is probably, like, then nobody kills him. Yeah. You know? So I think that's interesting. The thing that I'm interested in is the gender dynamics mm. in the Lightborn family. Uh-huh. Because the women are very much the hawks. Right. And Russell is the dove. Mm -hmm. So he's the one who is soft, who can be manipulated. And Simone is making all of the hard choices. But Russell was also the one to convince her that they needed Josie back. Right. But the reason that I think they can trust Russell because is because Russell already has what he wants. Right. Russell already has Josie. Yeah. He he's achieved his goal. So now yeah, his, his family is all together. Exactly. And that's not what you can you can't always get that. Exactly. So now what he needs is to keep them together. Mm -hmm. So he'll probably do whatever they want in order to keep that happening. Right. I made a current ranking of the primes that are alive. Ranking based on based on how much I like them. Oh cool. Oh cool. Cool 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 cool. So um number one goes to Riker. Because he could be the most useful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's also pretty handsome. Yeah he's he's pretty. Um number two is Russell. Uh because because of reasons I just said. Mm -hmm. Number three is Priya. Could be a nice lady. Not Could haven't be. really known her yet. Yeah. Uh, tried to comfort Jordan. Comfort Jordan is Riker's mom. Mm -hmm. Number four is Miranda. I am sad for her that she didn't get her daughter back when it was her turn. Um, I don't really have much else about Miranda. She's in know. the middle because you don't really know her. Yeah. Yeah. Number five is Simone mm -hmm. because she seems kind of sketchy. Mm -hmm. And number six is Josephine. 
Is she a super, super cool character? Heck yeah. But I don't like her because she's scary. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, uh, I like this ranking. That's a good ranking. Thank you. Do you have a ranking? My ranking is the same as your ranking. Oh, okay, good. Okay. Except that I think I would move Miranda farther forward just because she is innocent until proven guilty. How far forward? Probably above Priya. Okay, so it would go... So basically we just switch our switch two Switch those two. Okay. I thought it was so funny that uh, Josie implied that Murphy is somebody who doesn't cry over spilled milk, and Bellamy does cry over spilled milk. My favorite part about that is that they don't know what that saying means. Yeah, they're like, what's milk? I wish that we had gotten the shot of them being like, milk. It's milk. He didn't even know what a penny was. Yeah. It's like, milk? I don't even know what that is. But I, like, looked for it, and they and there wasn't a shot of them. Yeah. Which is too bad, but, um, yeah. Um, I have kept count of something this whole episode. Yay! I would like to give you the count now. I would love it! The amount of times that Murphy has been told to shut up in this episode yes is three that's a good that's a good number twice by josie once by bellamy you know what it's it's that's about right yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. that's the amount he deserves yeah for sure so josie was going to kill bellamy that original time fully and then she and then she decided to use it for another thing yeah that worked out better for her it definitely did huh. josie was willing to let her father straight up die because she doesn't have any stakes Brittany. she she, she doesn't, doesn't care it's not that she doesn't have any stakes it's just that she doesn't give a crap about anything well yeah she doesn't have any stakes but like she she just doesn't care about anyone. She just cares about herself. She cares about what fun things she can do to entertain herself. The fact that she knows that erasing people is possible, and yet she's like, yeah, yeah, he'll come back. She doesn't care. She's like, whatever. Yeah. See you, see you soon. As long as it's not me, I don't care. She's messed up. She scares me. Plus, like, it also means that she can keep her dad on ice as long as possible yeah. in order to get her agenda through, and then she'll bring him back. Right. Using Abby's nightblood. Mm-hmm. So two, okay, so we have four because there were four of the Lee family. Mm-hmm. We have four that are available. Two of them are going to Murphy for Murphy and Imori, if Imori is willing to take it. Yep. One of them goes to Kane. What's going to happen to the last one? I think that's the wild card. Mm-hmm. They wiped all four for a reason. Yeah. Someone's going in that. Yeah. And I'm afraid of who it's going to be. I don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, but I don't even have a theory at this point. I, but like I don't even I can't even take a shot in the yeah, dark. I'm like I don't, I don't know, know. Dioza. Like, I, I literally don't know. I don't know either. Um, but I'm excited to continue just like picking away at that one question. Yeah. Uh, as we continue, Echo returns and finds out Clark is dead. She wants to go to war, but Bellamy says that they can't. Oh, also, someone has to tell Maddie, which ends up being Bellamy's responsibility. <sighs> My heart hurts. I was disappointed in this. Why? Because. <sighs> First of all, of course it's sad. Everyone finds out that Clark is dead. But then it's like, okay, we have to tell Maddie. And I'm like, oh, can't wait for my heartstrings to just be freaking yanked out of my body. Yeah. And he comes up and we and we get a far away wide shot. We don't even hear what he says. We don't get a close up. I didn't even like, like, what's the music like at this time? You know, I don't yeah. even remember. It, it was kind of disappointing for me just because also he doesn't even, like, I know it has to happen quickly. So I understand why this happened. But like, if I was Bellamy, I would be like, so this is what the primes are. Um, and it seems like because Clark's some night blood and well, know, Maddie knew not- what the primes were. She did. Yeah. She was at the table think last episode oh okay well either way he's like hey so you know about the primes um and because clark's a nightblood we all knew she was kind of you know in trouble and because she's so special and wonderful and it's no fault of any of ours we couldn't have done anything about it but unfortunately they took clark and um she's gone Mm -hmm. we don't know what we don't think we can get her back and unfortunately she's just gone um and that's how you tell a kid that and then 
but he, I, I don't mean, th- you read his lips and he literally just says, Clark's dead. And she cries, you know, and I don't even get a, I didn't even get a, I didn't even get a close up of Maddie's face. I, think I that's know the point, I, but I know that Lola would have freaking nailed it. Yeah, she would have. And I'm, I'm disappointed I didn't get it. But I think the point is that we are not getting these emotional moments because as an audience, we are not supposed to believe them. Okay. We are not supposed to think Clark is dead. Well, I mean, especially in the next, like, minute. Exactly! Yeah. Because then we get, oh, okay, we didn't... I mean, I think it is a missed opportunity to really mess with your audience's emotions. And I mean, this show almost never skips those opportunities. Yeah. So I do have to wonder... And even Maddie's reaction, where she just immediately hugs Bellamy, I'm like, if it was Maddie... She would go... What? And what do you mean? And probably back away and push Bellamy away from her. Yeah, yeah. And then that would more organically lead to angry Maddie later. Right. Um, maybe the hug is to indicate that Maddie's still in there, though. Right. But, yeah, I think it is meant to tell us, okay, don't take this too seriously, because in five seconds you're going to find out Clark's still alive. Right. Yeah. Alive. As alive yeah. as you can be at this point. But I super love that Echo immediately was like, great, uh, when are we going to go Avenger? Because I'm mad. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. She Echo- just called Clark her family and turned out that it wasn't freaking even Clark. Yeah. She- Echo's ride or die, man. Yeah. She doesn't care. Yeah. So the last part of like this group thing is basically Bellamy taking time for himself to really feel Clark's death, to sit by himself and to cry. Yeah. Um, I-, I really love that this show continues to let men cry and be emotional. Yep. I that think- was another thing that I loved about Lost. Yeah, Thanks. it is revolutionary. All right, so Guy and Maddie. Yeah. Gaia checks on Maddie, who she thinks is upset. She's not. She's actually freaking mad. Maddie pulls a knife on Gaia and says that she will not rest while Clark's death goes unavenged. Gaia doesn't want that. Shade Hedda appears behind Gaia and tells Maddie to kill her, but Maddie banishes her instead. Now she's ready to kill all of Sanctum to avenge Clark. She just needs Shade Hedda's help. So I think we can both agree that Shade Hedda has been made stronger by grief. Yes. I, I think it's interesting... Is there anybody else that we have ever seen banished other than Echo? Echo gets banished. Lincoln. Lincoln gets banished. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Hmm. My, this is where I'm starting to get nervous because every season of The Hundred always boils down to a land war. Yeah. And I have grown tired of it. Mm -hmm. So for the first six or so episodes here, it was like, oh my God, body snatchers, like blah, 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 time travel and stuff. And now we're getting back into, we have to take land and wage a war. And I'm like, I'm tired. Like, please, please, for the love of God, like, let's focus on the time stuff. Let's focus on Dio's and Octavia, on the characters, on all of these cool things that are going on. Let's not do the war thing again. Yeah. Like, I understand that it's a show about bloodshed, but that doesn't mean that they have to constantly be walking over the same story beats. Yeah. And hopefully they're not. I don't know. It seems like maybe they're not just because, like, you know, the preview for the next episode is, you know, Clark's internal struggle in her brain. But I suspect the finale is going to be everyone waking up and storming Sanctum and tanking Sanctum. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like, okay. Okay. I love that Gaia, like, goes along with it, though. Like, like I said before, and Josie knows it, the commanders don't mean anything here. Like, Mm -hmm. literally, nobody cares about this. Except for all those other people in space who care about who the commander is. But they're all asleep. They're all asleep right now. But, of course, Gaia's faith is so strong that she she listens, even Mm -hmm. though, really, like, the only person who's really going to enforce that is Maddie. And Maddie's a kid, you know? Yeah, I was going to be like, how is she going to enforce that anyway? She doesn't have to but she does. So what is Gaia going to do? Where is she going to go? That's my question as well. I wonder if Gaia is going to join uh, hashtag team Gabriel. Yeah. So I, I just don't know how she's going to get outside the shield. That's the only place that I can... I mean, we don't know what else is out there at this point. And I so. mean, maybe banished just means like you're fired. Like right. you're not my advisor anymore. Right. 
So, but of course, Maddie doesn't want to kill Gaia. She wants to kill the Sanctum people. Yeah. So, like, the guy's like, kill, kill, kill. And she's like, okay, I'll kill people. I, that's not a problem. I'm just not going to kill that one. And I'll just, kill somebody else. To me, this is Maddie walking in Bellamy's steps from season three. Gotcha. Avenging yeah. someone that died by murdering the people that she believes are responsible. Right. And that's punishing innocent people for the acts of a couple. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. So I'm hoping they don't go through with this uh-huh. because that was a huge misstep in Bellamy's character arc. Yeah. So I'm hoping they don't do it with Maddie. I don't yeah. think they will because she's a freaking kid. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Ready for the last bit? Yes. All right. Josie relaxes with some tea and reflects on all her dastardly deeds of the day. She tucks herself into bed and gets ready to sleep. But guess what? Clark freaking Griffin is in her head and she's not letting go of her body without a fight. Love it. Um. So I would have just assumed that she was speaking like French again or like Mandarin again or something, but it turns out she was speaking Portuguese. Oh, I wondered what language that was. So that's cool. Yeah. So she's listening to Alone by Halos, I think Mm -hmm. is how you pronounce it, which was released in 2016. Cool. I like I like looking at when they were released because it means that music from our time has made it there, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. And I thought it was really good. The great transition is the lyrics slowly slip back inside my mind. Yep. Top notch. Oh, my next note is just, okay, what's tea with Clark? I love that when Clark wakes up, she is in a room of her own memories. Yes. Like, I think the thing that Clark has done to stay sane inside her own brain is to literally draw every memory that she has. Yeah. So, you know. Which is what she did in those six years. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's a coping technique for Clark. So the thing that someone pointed out on Twitter, and I'm so sorry, I wish I knew what it was, but I I don't remember who who it was. was, Yeah. Is that when, in the trailer, you see Josie and Clark fighting, some of the drawings have started to disappear. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that symbolizes who's winning the battle for Clark's brain. Right. But um, I do think it's interesting that the people, it's so key, the people that they focus on when Clark wakes up, Abby first, mom first, yeah, then Lexa, and then Bellamy. Right. Like, just everyone that she loves. I was kind of surprised they didn't do a Maddie. There's Ma- Maddie's on in, on there, but, but they didn't focus close, on it. Close up on her. Yeah. We also see, who else do we see? We see Raven, mm-hmm. and we see, I think everyone thought that it was Jaha in the background there? Yeah, there's Raven, there's Jaha, there's Clark actually after Jasper pulled the prank on her. Uh, oh, covered in foam. She drew that. Um, there's her electrocuting Maddie, which I think is interesting. Yeah. There's also, there's there's lots of Maddie. They just didn't focus on it. Yeah. I didn't see any Jake, but I'm sure we'll get more shots of it. Yeah. Well, there's a huge drawing of Wells. I want to like, go in there because I haven't taken a good long look at it yet. So maybe we should do our segments and our trailer reaction real quick right now so we can look at it. Well, this is just the stuff that you see in this end scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then you see more in the trailer. Right? Yeah, okay, 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 yeah. Um, so now it's time for segments. My first segment is the post-apocalyptic Sasquatch, which is our favorite line award. Mine goes to Murphy for... It wasn't me. What together. And mine goes to Dioza for... You're not boring. I'll give you that. I like, mean, that's half shade, half compliment. I wonder if a lot of things that she does are boring. And yeah. So she's like, cool, thanks. Say, like, hey, you know what? You have a weird arm that aged because of like temporal like flares and goo. That's interesting. Yeah. And my segment is that hurt. Ew. Cool. Uh, and my segment is formerly Clark Ripson Shower Watch. Then it was Octavia Blake Shower Watch. Now it's which MILF was the most badass. Ah, <sighs> Dioza. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, always shout out to Abby, but like, obviously, it's Dioza. Yeah. Please. Now it's time for the most valuable protagonist award. So this week's MVP, there's just so many different storylines going on that it's hard to choose an MVP. So I think I'm actually going to give it to Xavier. Okay. He did a lot. He was so sure he did. He gave us the most relevant information. Yeah. Good job, Gabriel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and my second segment is the Marcus Cade beard appreciation, but he's on ice and so is the beard. Mm, maybe we'll get him back soon. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he'll be in a new body. Maybe. And for anyone who's stressed about that, it's gonna be fine. What if the body doesn't have a beard? Oh my god, that would be the saddest thing in the entire <laughs> world. I do not want to see Abby Griffin kiss a beardless cane. Ugh. Oh, sad. Ugh. How many episodes is the last murder? Aww. Womp. More murder. Still Oops. zero. Now it's time for trailer reaction. Nice. Three, two, one, play. Get out of my head. Clark running to Luigi's, drawing, splash, Josie, Clark, beat up. Screaming done. This is, this is probably my favorite promo so far. Yeah, this one had eight seconds of content, so I think that is progress. It's really cool. There's a lot to, to parse in here, actually. There's, so it starts with that opening, her sprinting through Allegis. Yes. Oh, wait, that might be Josie sprinting through Allegis. Nope, that's Clark. That's that's Allegis, though. It's not the Ark, right? No, it's not the Ark. The Ark never had yellow piping. Okay. But Josie is walking into Mount Weather. That's the Mount Weather, yes. Yeah. I was going to say, it's Mount Weather, for sure. Monty should be in that room across there. Yep. And then the confrontation in the room. See, see the foamed Clark next to the two yes, deer. Yes, yes, with the two, yes. That's and then funny. Maddie, Bellamy upside down in Mount Weather. This, it's interesting. It's like, must be her, her memories that are very clear to her. Yeah. So like, we have like the one where she's shocking Maddie, which obviously is very clear to her because she feels so terribly about it. Yeah. But like the prank, even though she was upset, it's like one of her best memories of Jasper, Jasper and Monty. Yeah. So that's interesting. This is when her, isn't this when her dad died? When that thing opened? Yeah, when... this is an airlock opening. So I'm guessing this is Jake's death. Yeah. And then the overhead shot from the pilot right, of, of Clark drawing. Yeah. Looking up, good earth cleavage. Josie is back. And then Josie has a nosebleed. I am so glad to see the girl who plays Josie again. She's so good. She's so good. And I'm so, I, I'm just glad to see her because as much as I love Eliza playing her, it's really fun also to see the original person yep. playing her too. I agree. Because then you get to see the nuance of what Eliza has taken out of her performance. I agree. So here's an overhead shot of the room. So we've got a giant Can drawing I of Lexa. The um the nosebleed that she the nosebleed that she's getting I wonder if that is Josie waking up and all these crap is happening yeah, in her head and I that's think so. why why she's getting I absolutely think so okay so yeah so that shot the drawing of Raven is missing now oh there's Wells I yeah see there's a yeah like that's a huge thing of Wells there's oh my God in the background behind the girls fighting is Octavia with her arms up yelling we're back I see it. There's somebody else back there too. There's another face, but I can't tell what it is. It looks like the the, the stuff on the roof is kind of <gasps> like like you'd think there was more stuff on the roof. Anya, where? Anya is right here. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to see more about this. Is this is this Anthony? Is this all Anthony? No, stuff? I don't think this is all Anthony. This is the art department. Oh, gotcha. But it but like I was saying, up, up on the roof, it looks like yeah. there would be more stuff on the roof. So maybe this is part of the of it like disappearing. Yeah. Like There's also um freaking Murphy hanging. Ooh, where? near the right hand corner next to so see where wells is and then there's monty and mount weather yes down below is murphy hanging oh buddy right there's clark being see and there's two big wells wells in the top corner and then wells under the cw logo oh yeah what's over here like underneath that light there i don't know we haven't we haven't been able to see it yet i'm so excited to see all of the Oh like yeah, I'm nuts about it. Here. What is this flash? Very cool. Probably my, yeah, definitely my favorite trailer so far. Yep. Oh, Clark is shocking 
Josephine just like she shocked Maddie with a shock collar on. Oh boy. Oh my That's god. That's scary. That's really scary. That's scary. This is gonna be a crazy episode. I'm excited. I'm so excited. But See, I-, I have to say, we better be able to watch this one live because we weren't able to watch this one live. We were ready yeah, and there was, that was a freaking annoying. baseball game on. That and was so we had annoying. to wait and we were really upset watching everybody else live tweet about this episode and not getting able to watch it. So when Clark wakes up, Roan, there's lots of drawings that you can see when she first wakes up. Yeah. So there is... So Lexa. Yeah. Roan. Jaha. Jaha. I don't know who this is. Like... I'm looking for some Luna in here, to be honest. Yeah, I want... Luna might be in here. There's like um a lot of like different trees. Like I think this is the area where she met Maddie, uh-huh. where she met baby Maddie. Right. Which um, which is Maddie's um which is Maddie's best memory. Yeah. Oh look. Okay. So next to the drawing of Abby mm-hmm. is Bellamy and Mount Weather. Yes. Oh yes, definitely. Lovejoy. Yeah. And then this is at the end of this episode, by the way. Yes. We're not yeah. in the trailer right this now. This is Mount Weather because they're chandeliers. Right. Uh, this is the stri- uh, destroyed polis. Mm-hmm. Oh, all of the kids in cages in Mount Weather is up yes, here. Yes. I don't know what's over here. Oh, I love all the season two stuff. I love season two. Yeah, it's really cool. So um, then there's the drawing on the floor. Of course. Oh, here we go. Okay. Maddie being electrocuted. Yeah. There's a lot of Maddie has a whole wall. Yeah. Um, the rover. Uh-huh. Oh, I wonder if it's season by season or something. Oh, that'd be interesting. The rover. Oh, no, because Bellamy's upside down. There's a down. lever. There's a flower. Someone's Which pulling lever a lever. I think this is book. I, I think that's, no, that's season five. That's the season five lever. That's uh, when she had to close yeah. the door. Yeah, that's 100%. Because it's a very big lever. I think lever. this is Murphy down here. Scraggly thing with greasy hair and a t-shirt. Definitely Murphy. Yeah, arcade. And then who is this that's dead right here? Is this Ontario or maybe Anya? Okay. This to me looks like the freaking in Capilano suspension. Oh, it says Arcadia. Oops. Yeah. I know how to read. Um, Clark being- Is that Finn? Where? Over on the other side? On the left side there? Well, that's Lincoln. That's freaking Lincoln. Where's oh, On Finn? the other side. On the other side. Here? Yeah. Who's that? That's Clark being phoned. Oh. What? Oh, yeah, it is. Where's Finn? Oh, Lincoln being tortured? Owies. Oh, oh owies. That's season one. Um, there's screaming dead bodies. Oh, the torched grounders. Yep, yep. That's season one. Yep. You're right, you're right. It might be season by season. That'd be very cool. Because that's over there, that's season three, right? When she gets, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, oh, Does Lexa. She get- Wait, yeah. Yep. Okay, so yeah, Raven's gone in that next one. Yeah. Interesting. Which is, that's Nevermore. So that's the season three wall. Yep. Oh, interesting. They really did go season by season. Oh, except for the the two-headed deer, which is over there, which was season one. Lexa, we don't have to talk at all. Oh, there's Bellamy in the background. Oh, yep. yeah, there's Bellamy. Yep. This is so interesting. Uh-huh. There's Wells again. No Finn. I wanted some Finn. Listen, You're the only one. I know. I, I just like, I like when we remember Finn because he was such a... He was just... He happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, don't forget him. I think this dead person near Maddie on the same wall as Murphy is actually Ontari with her chest split open. Sure. That's neat. So fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is Murphy with his hand in Ontari's chest. Gotcha. Little greaseball man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we're good for now. Oh my gosh. That was a long podcast, fam. I hope um, you got it done before the next episode. You had like, what, two and a half days or something? Oops. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Clark drew she and Bellamy's hands pulling the lever together. My heart hurts. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. I'm just, my brain is scattered. Yeah. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's perpetually open. It's in the description. We love hearing from you. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about 
about that show too. We have done up to season three and we also do Chilling Adventures with Brina on that feed. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of Lost, which duh, we like to talk about that show too. We are currently in the middle of season two, slowly making our way. Um, but we do guests over there. So that's lots and lots of fun getting lots of different perspectives. Uh, yeah. So if you're looking for more, uh, lots and lots of in-depth character stuff um, and mythology, that's where you go. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We are basically doing season one in preparation for season three. So we'll be done by July 4th, yeah. 2019. Oh, all we have left is the finale at this point and it's going to be a good pod episode. Yes, so. it is. It's going to be dope. Yeah. You can follow at the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel, YouTube, mostly Twitter. Um, I do work really hard on our Tumblr though. I make lots and lots of gifts. So please support me. And I've also been posting on our Instagram story. So hi. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it. Yeah, it's expensive. It is expensive. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey with R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Abertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Uh, next episode is episode 607. It's called Nevermind. And since we were talking about Peter Pan, my brain went to Neverland. Um, and also, obviously, Nevermind. We are inside Clark's mind. Also, Nevermind is... Kim Shamay wrote this episode? Yeah. So she gave a couple hints for all of the things that it references. Nevermind, the Nirvana album. And then um, it's also a play on Nevermore, which was her last episode before this one. Uh-huh. In season three, which was really, really, really good. Probably my favorite episode in season three. Yeah. Yeah. That's the where the Raven drawing is from, is her being chained up. Yeah. Yep. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.